0: what's up everybody aaron the dog guy here once again with another this is not actually another this is like no other show on the youtube or anywhere else i'm going to be breaking down the lfa today bellator 259 ufc vegas 27 and before all of that i'm joined by a newly minted ufc featherweight prospect he's 14 and 4 24 years old 6-1 and Mexican as they come and uh I think that he will appreciate that intro
1: yeah. Long time <laughs> to
0: see to Mr. Fernando Padilla what up how my friend you? how are welcome you welcome to the big show of Aaron the dog show first ever Aaron the dog show here so congrats
1: <laughs> thank you man I appreciate it
0: yeah man uh how, so if you weren't with us for a breakdown last week uh We had Fernando join us uh, along with Jacob Silva, not Jacob Rosales. So uh, I'll get that out of the way right away. Both of you guys won. Uh, Jacob, unfortunately, didn't get the UFC contract, but uh, Fernando, you did. Uh, You had a second round elbow finish of Cameron Graves, uh, 9 and 3 guy, 9 and 2 coming into the fight. Really dangerous guy. Uh, Also, apparently, the favorite uh, in this fight. So a little underdog. how was the fight for you overall? The whole process. Take me through it. Uh,
1: I mean, uh, thank God, weight cuts are, are like a little bit easier right now. I don't, I don't kill myself that much on it. But uh, other than that, everything was really good. I felt really good on the cage. Uh, I mean, I worked really hard for it, and uh, and I was ready. I knew I was ready for that. Uh, inside the cage, I just, I, I just went for it you know i went for yeah, it <laughs> that,
0: that was that was insane i have not seen those types of strikes out of you prior to this i kind of had summed you up as grappling leaning mma guy but this seems to be changing these last few fights what have you been uh working on over at team oyama who obviously has a huge fight for uh carla that we'll talk about a little later but team oyama firing all cylinders right now have you been working on kind of Mostly the striking, or is it just working on everything? And the striking's been there. It's just you've been getting the finish I mean, Otherwise, yeah,
1: I, I like I like to fight. You know, <laughs> that's what I like to do. <laughs> I like to do. Really, like. If you see my my first fights, like it's really weird for me to to do a takedown. Like mm-hmm. they usually take me down. They usually get submitted. Mm-hmm. But uh, like. I always like to stand up, and I really feel that like I can I can deal with a lot of people there. But uh, hey, this is MMA. This is not just boxing or not just kickboxing. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the that's the other thing. I need to, I need to start like showing again the other parts of my of my game. <laughs> so everybody stay on track of that. But uh, I mean I came to the best gym for striking. I think in in general, uh, Coach Colin has been like. a striking coach and like turning to mma uh for a long time and everything i know right now is because of them you know like my striking got to this point because of them thank god (laughs) yeah and
0: uh yeah it looks it just i mean right now we're entering i think kind of it's interesting i feel like countries and regions of fighters really go through spurts where it's like the momentum's with them and we got like adrian Giannis right now who's shooting up the ranks at uh At Bantamweight, we've got – and then Featherweight, we have a few – we have the Mexican fighters coming kind of from all directions right now. Lupita Gondinez is coming at strawweight right now. Uh, I've talked with her quite a bit. She was supposed to have a fight this weekend, uh, just got postponed. But, I mean, it's just – the Mexican fighter never really went away. It's just interesting that as Diego is kind of exiting, one of the OGs of kind of Mexican fighting, and uh, I think – it has to be someone who I assume you looked up to as you started in this career. He's exiting, and then there's the prospects like you, kind of entering the circle of MMA life. Uh, kind of continues Kane Velasquez, whatnot. I mean, the Mexican <laughs> fighters are have been coming and haven't stopped. Uh, so, like, how much does that mean to you as a fighter, though, to be really go in there and? I mean, you aren't just a Mex. You aren't just from Mexico. You are a Mexican fighter. What does that mean to you? Uh, specifically and especially when you're you're you do go for it but you this entire time your technique was there the entire time you weren't falling over yourself with this elbow you're completely within yourself and just followed through like just perfectly what is yeah what does it mean to you to be a Mexican fighter how important is that to your Um, kind of approach and everything or is that something I'm Maybe adding to the narrative here a little too much.
1: No, no, no. I, I mean, I always fight like that. I, I I, think that's what people like the most about me, that, like, I'm always going forward uh, no matter what. Like, I can get hit. I can get, like, I can get taken down. But, like, if I stand up, I'm still being on your face. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm tired or not. Like, I'll I I be there. You know, I'll be there hitting you. I'll be there, like, fighting. Uh, So, for me, I feel like that doesn't – the the thing about being a mexican fighter like be there be relentless uh just try to break people with that pressure uh sometimes you you need the technique obviously to get that that pressure you know you cannot just be a, a wall in front of them but uh i'm pretty much that like that's how it is you know that like just the pressure and the mexican pressure is just different it's real they, it's you know, real yeah, <laughs> man.
0: it's it's real man uh and i just i can't really stress enough how excited i am to see you um getting to ufc i, I feel at a proper time you have 18 fights as a pro uh yeah, and man. some incredible experience against again you know i won't bring up Dan gay every time i talk to you but it's hard mm-hmm. not to when we see where Dan gay is specifically oh, yeah. now We just saw what Edson Barboza did last week to Shane Burgos. I mean, whether you think Edson beat Dan Ige or not, he barely did if he did. And what Dan Ige has been able to do in the division you're going to be entering, it has to really give you, you know, immediate hope. I know you're going to say you'll take on anybody immediately. When are you kind of looking to get back into action here? Uh, How how are you doing body and condition-wise coming off of this fight?
1: I mean – I honestly just like I'm ready to go again. I'm I'm obviously resting right now, mm-hmm. but uh, but I'm ready. Like I want to get back soon. You know, it's 2021. So it's short notice.
0: It's so short notice would be on the table for you.
1: If they call me, like if they want me to fight like that, I told Dana. Uh, I told Dana I will fight whoever you want, whenever you want. Did you get to talk uh, to Dana? Yeah, yeah. Thank God. So I that's did.
0: awesome. First of all, thank God you were later in the card because Dana must have had a fun night in Houston Saturday because he made it to the fight card a little bit late. I was feeling terrible for some of the guys early on the card who thought they were fighting in front of Dana, and then they're like, "Yeah, Dana's not here yet." <laughs> he, he showed
1: up for yeah,
0: he showed up for think, Fernando Padilla.
1: It was it was nice. It was a crazy night, to be honest. Awesome. Uh, it was it was just amazing. Uh, I'm pretty sure all that is going to be uh On the looking for a show, uh, yep. I think so. Uh, yeah, that, uh, uh, yeah, I'd say an elbow,
0: standing elbow KO is a good way to guarantee you get a little bit of camera time on there, Fernando. Uh, and yeah, we'll make but, sure. Yeah, we'll make sure to definitely blast that as soon as that's available. Yeah, um, man, that's, that, what is this that, last? That, what has this last five days been for? Like for or, what has it been? Three, four days? Four days? Uh, yeah. What's the last? Days yeah three days what's the last three days yeah three days What's it been like for you? How many new friends uh, do you have uh how many new family members are coming out of the woodwork uh yeah like uh, and and uh how are how ready are you to take on those outside uh distractions? I know it's hard to say before they're really here, but um I think for certain fighters i I look from an outside view and I'm a little bit concerned as I ask that asking you, I'll be honest uh I'm not as concerned about that but um it is you're gonna have a ton of new friends you're gonna have a ton of new attention i don't know your situation with any with your significant other or not significant other and that's not but these are all things that are what come with the ufc um Mm -hmm. how do you feel about those outside uh outside issues have you talked to teammates who've obviously probably dealt with this a little bit um you know what are your thoughts on that
1: i have a really like like team Oyama in general like all the people who i be like i see being successful they're the same type of people like really low-key people they don't like to talk a lot about like damn stuff and i feel that like that helps me a lot too they keep me on my head on my like they keep me they keep me down on my on my feet like if if you try to get a little bit haired right here just being like yeah yeah i'm this and that like there's Twenty other fighters to hit you, like to kick your ass. So like, mm. it, don't do that. <laughs> it's just uh, not. The, it's not the place for the
0: Sean O'Malleys of the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, like,
0: you don't have to call them out. I call them out. You're, you're not calling out Sean O'Malley. Don't worry.
1: To, no, but I, like, what I mean is just like they are going to make fun of you here, and I prefer to just leave a normal dive. The people making fun of me here in my gym all the time. So I, I don't, I don't want to be like the Hollywood either. I don't think that like that's that's the thing that i want to be i i I don't like to be on my phone like i'm having trouble answering messages because it's just like uh, like nah yeah
0: i have social anxiety uh so every time i'm on i'm on camera i don't know what i'm doing doing it so i'm just like man like uh but i love talking to fighters it's it's my favorite thing to do uh, I am absolutely, I couldn't have more respect for what y'all do, honestly. And uh, it's at any level. I love talking to people as they rise up. It's not just about the UFC to me. Um, but it is pretty cool to see uh, a lot of fighters I've talked to from the beginning now getting their shine. Uh, Brian Battle currently on Tough, uh, working his way through the Ultimate Fighter. I haven't gotten to talk to him in four weeks but uh, because they're on complete lockdown in there. But uh, now getting to see you, Fernando. I, I mean... Okay. You look the part. I'll say that straight up. Uh, you fight the part. The experience, I think, is really tremendous. Um, and Team Oyama, it's a team that I'd love to get to know more of because uh, I have a huge amount of respect. Uh, what are your kind of thoughts, uh, Carla Esparza? Uh, have, are you close with her? Have you been able to kind of see how she, she's looking very sharp uh, coming up against Zha, uh, Zha Nan, uh the Chinese uh, fighter? This is essentially a title eliminator at 115. Uh what are your kind of thoughts on her fight um overall? Uh if you so have any? I'm
1: gonna tell you a lot about like her camp because Carla is more for herself and the people like coach and her mm-hmm. for game plans and stuff like that. And okay. uh I respect that a lot. I feel that that's how she is and how she worked better. Yeah. Um other than that, what I can say and I can I can like actually because this is my personal thoughts that I've been thinking for like weeks already or like a month, that is just she look in shape. Like it's incredible how Carla like Carla for being the the oldest in the UFC here with us. Uh like she's i I don't see her like you staying at one point, I always see her like doing better and more mm-hmm. and trying new things. And I know a lot of people don't see that, but when you're in the, when you're in the, in the gym and you're able to see all those things, like, it's incredible how she always performed better for me. And in personal, she always looked better. And, uh, I'm waiting for this, this fight. She, I I know she's going to be great.
0: Yeah, it's a huge fight. And, uh, I've been definitely going back and forth on it. Uh, who are your main training partners? Uh, particularly at this point, uh, do you have a few or is it kind of, how does it work over at Oyama for you?
1: We work with everyone. I'm, I'm, all, I'm, also the, like I'm the tallest, so I train with the, with the bigger, mm-hmm. with the big guys. That's But great. I'm also the skinny, so if there's no big guys, I can train with the small guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I help everyone from like Cheeto to Lewis to, to I mean Christian to heavyweights to whatever we have. You know, if somebody came, Frank Machu, like all of them, like I'm just all around. That's and I huge like it. That's me. huge
0: for you. That's yeah, gotta be huge for you because 145 has every type of fighter. It's got the strong hard hitters, the you know, the Josh Emmetts eventually that you'll be up there against. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the even the Mike Grundys, these super powerful, you know, wrestling type guys, and then they also got the guys like you as well. They got you've gotta be one of the tallest guys in the division, though, coming in. So um, sure. and you're sure. still and you're still not cutting the type of weight that a lot of these guys are cutting um do you see yourself kind of eventually growing out of the 145 division or is this kind of is it hard to ever have you ever fought anywhere other than 145
1: uh i try i think my first fight uh my first pro fight was in 135 but uh i could i think i'm pretty sure i couldn't make it i was like a couple grams a couple grams off and i was already passing out yeah uh but it wasn't for the for a long uh, for a lot uh but that was the only time I tried one thirty-five. After yeah. that, we did forty-five all the time in Mexico, and that's when great. I came here, and when I came here, I did forty-five. Coach asked me for a couple fifty-five or fifty-fives, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel good, you know. But uh, I feel one forty-five was still my my, and it's it's still my my division. Yeah, I don't. I mean every single guy who I see in the UFC it, it's for a reason right it's for a reason every single guy like from the youngest when they like go grow up they go up so
0: yeah who I knows mean, it's, 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 you're you're here for, yeah you're you're in it for you're in it for the long haul here so it's like me asking you to predict in 10 years at UFC 512 what division you're going to be in is you know yeah, yeah. kind of crazy TV. right now yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Three divisions. You never know. All um, right. So uh, I won't I won't keep you too much longer here because I know that, like, it's been a crazy amount of time. The fact that you'd even be willing to come back on here for a second time in a week, that means a ton to me. Uh, it really, you know, does show kind of the perspective that you have of, you know, just uh, knowing the people who like are in it for the right reasons and whatnot. And, you know, just um Perspective I mean- to me is yeah. Perspective to me is everything, man. And keeping it simple. Uh, I run my own dog business uh, as I'm as I'm doing all these fight breakdowns, and that's what I like my life to be. Uh, so it's like it's very simple. I'm in Washington D.C., supposedly the busiest, craziest city in the world. Uh, yet I'm happy as can be. I'm surrounded by five dogs right now. Uh, we got Boston Commons Bunny. She is one of the best in the game here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Special guest, Fernando. Uh, she's a huge fan. Oh, as well. thank
1: you so much. So,
0: Padilla. <laughs> yeah. yeah so to, she gets it. Yeah, if you got the Boston Commons stamp of approval, you are a fantastic uh, human being. Boston Commons, she's killing Thanks. it out there. Eventually, the Dog and Bunny show will be up and at them as well and uh, we will have fernando padilla on as our first guest when we get it going as well Thank you, guys. so yeah
1: so but
0: uh, honestly fernando i'm a huge fan of you i'm a huge fan of your camp cheeto vera one of my all-time favorite fighters so if you want to you know go ahead and tell him aaron the dog's waiting for his uh interview i'm here <laughs> but no i'm kidding yeah. man like in all seriousness like i will be definitely keeping an eye on you uh i I'm gonna be checking. I have a feeling you're gonna be on a short notice. Uh, come up here. Uh, I know you're always staying ready. Are you? T- you're probably taking off. Like, are you taking off even this week? Or are you back in the gym? Yeah, I yeah, Yes, a little take,
1: bit maybe to yeah, eat. Take off, like take eating. off
0: a couple of weeks. But <laughs> I think after this, I think we're gonna be seeing you in July. Uh, maybe we can get you on that Conor McGregor Poirier card. You know, maybe as you know the opener. Let's go ahead and get some eyes on Padilla. Make sure no one's calling him Padilla. Like, uh, (laughs) please, Uh, yeah, Padilla, people, Padilla, it's not hard, it's not, it's really a pretty normal Mexican name, Uh, get some more Mexican friends, people, if you don't know how to say (laughs) Fernando Padilla, but honestly, man, like, you always got a, you always got a spot here anytime you want, just come on and chat with me, I'm always here for you, Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's coming, 24-year-old Fernando Padilla, 6'1", 14 and 4, featherweight, and, uh, just one more for, for the people, the casuals call him Padilla. Right. <laughs> the real ones. know, And we definitely know, man, I can't wait to be breaking down your fights, uh, your fight coming up very soon. You're going to be Thank a you. huge, uh, fan favorite. So, uh, yeah, man, just keep doing what you're doing and, uh, That's you great. know, keep, keep that shirt off. You don't need to be wearing a shirt. You work too hard. Yeah, yeah, show, me, show me those clavicles there we go buddy but as always uh, Fernando you you're you're just such a horrible guest very very mean and very upset and hard to talk to as always man <laughs> brother <laughs> have a great have a great day uh, if you want to get man. some Ben advice I'm gonna be on for th- the next two three hours doing 34 fights so uh let's go man but I had to talk to you congratulations on the contract you, congratulations brother. on the first of many. Uh, Elbow KO wins. Cannot wait to see what's next for you, and we'll talk soon, brother. Have a great rest of your day, man. I
1: appreciate it. Have a good day.
0: Peace out, Fernando. All right. And that, I, I, yo, I'm sorry that I cut you off. (laughs) Um, and uh, that was Fernando Padilla, ladies and gentlemen. What a fucking champion of an individual man. Like he, I sent him a message right after his big win and Fury FC, which you can check out on Fight Pass. Obviously, if you're watching this, LFA is going to be on Fight Pass. To, um, you know. And then we've got the Bellator breakdown we're doing, and then we've got our UFC breakdown. So thank you all for joining me. Uh, I am going to be attempting split-screen uh, mode. I have one monitor, so um, if I'm kind of focused on the screen, it is what it is. But we work with what we got, um, you know, uh, Aaron the dog is not gonna miss a breakdown. My mom's getting married this weekend, so all three breakdowns get to be in one here. So uh I'll do my best to get timestamps up at least for when each breakdown starts. So after about 20 minutes, we are entering into the LFA breakdown section of our programming. LFA 108 now. It is Josh Fremd versus. Uh Gregory Rodriguez for the middleweight championship. They had a four-fight middleweight championship grand prix to determine the champion of that. Um, so uh we know Gregory Rodriguez from the contender series. Josh Fremd uh is an LFA veteran at this point, has looked really good over there. Uh, I believe Josh Breezy also has had a few interviews with um Josh Fremd. So Jeff, definitely uh familiar with some of the stooges. But let's go ahead and jump in. It's just going to be me today. Uh, So uh, please, you know, I will do my best to check comments. I will do my best to uh, make this sensible and give you guys the best advice I can do, as always. Um, But we are starting at the 170 division in the LFA, LFA 108. It's taking place Friday night um, at 9 o'clock on Fight Pass uh prelims are going to be on youtube uh we start out with tyler ray seven and two welterweight uh sanford mma taking on three and zero unranked ernesto ancona uh, i apologize for any names that i butcher as well i'm doing the best i can uh ernesto ancona not a lot known about him at this point um on topology he is a three and zero. he has not fought since october of 2014 before that, he fought in 2011. Before that, he fought in 2010. Uh, combined record of his three opponents is six and two. Um, yeah, there, there's this one's. I'm gonna keep them simple when I can keep them simple with this amount of fights to break down. But Tyler Ray, uh, the Wolverine. Uh, we have a few Wolverines we're gonna be breaking down on this card, um, but Tyler Ray is the first of the Wolverines we're breaking down. Uh, he is six foot tall. Um, his head coach listed as Tyrone Spong kickboxing legend. Uh, but he's more definitely known as a wrestler. Uh, really good grappler. Uh, he is seven and two currently. Lost a split decision to Steve Jones over in LFA. Um, he's fought five fights now in LFA, six fights actually, um, as well as three, as well as his first three of his pros. So nine of his Uh, fights have been with the LFA in some form or another another with Bellator Um, overall his wrestling is what gets him to the dance Uh, he faced Austin Jones in his last fight got a try arm triangle very very quickly uh, locked it up and sunk it in it is where he's going to look to take this fight Um, he's very very active Uh, he's fought quite a bit so uh, taking on a guy named Ernesto who has not fought since 2014, uh, I think this is straight up being uh, being LFA does this from time to time. I think this is a squash match uh, for Tyler Ray. Uh, he is. I get that his opponent Ernesto is undefeated, but uh, I mean not fighting since 2014. Uh, Tyler Ray, really legitimate prospect in my opinion, and I expect to see him on the contender series. Relatively soon, um, maybe one more win in the LFA over someone a little more legitimate, three and zero guy who's been off since two thousand fourteen. Uh, Tyler Ray is a minus four hundred favorite. Uh, I do think it's parlayable, and I do think it will grow quite a bit as well. But if you can get for four hundred to five hundred, go ahead and parlay Tyler with all your bets uh, tonight because uh, I think that he is, uh, you know, pretty safe uh, favorite there but I get it's an expensive price to pay. Uh, Next fight here is going to be at the bantamweight division, and uh, we got a pro debut against a 5-6 and guy. The pro debut is Bryce Meredith fighting out of Wyoming. He is a two-time NCAA uh, national runner-up wrestling out of Wyoming, a very good school, uh, wrestled at 141 pounds. Uh, so been fighting around the bandweight division for some time now. Uh, going up uh, in his pro debut against Steve Merrill, the surgeon. Uh, definitely an interesting looking fella, 31 years old. Uh, has a very nice mustache. Uh, five and six record, Five nine, 72 inch reach. Uh, fighting out of Fowler Flick Martial Arts. I'm not familiar with that currently on a four-fight losing streak. Um, he has lost to guys like Yusuf Zalal, uh, Jeff Jepsen, so some decent guys, but uh, he's got one win in his last six fights. Uh, he's been finished by body punches, Darce chokes, uh, and so definitely seems susceptible. The KO was also knocked out in his only boxing bout, um, so I think that Bryce Meredith definitely can look to Get a ground and pound uh, finish. If I had to predict, this is his pro debut. As far as I can see, there's no amateur experience either. But Bryce Me- Bryce Meredith, uh, he looks uh, to be very athletic. Looks to be the part. Has the wrestling to fall back on if uh, if nothing else. Um, fighting Steve Merrill, who's five and six on a four fight losing streak. I gotta go with Bryce Meredith here, even in his debut. Uh, In his debut, Bryce Meredith is now a minus 1,000 favorite. No, thank you. Uh, Plus 585 on Stephen Meredith. Uh, It's dogger pass here. It's his pro debut. Um, He is primarily a wrestler, so I need to see a little bit more of his MMA game plan and acumen before I'm able to lay down 1,000 even on a guy like Steve Merrill. But Bryce Meredith should cruise here. Um, I think that this is a card where a lot of favorites should look very good. Uh, next fight here is at heavyweight. Um, it seems like it seems like a lot of these heavyweights are very similar to Thomas Peterson. These kind of undefeated, uh, bigger heavyweights. This is Thomas Peterson fighting out of Minnesota, two hundred fifty three pounds, four and zero, fighting out of Spartan MMA, taking on five and four Richard Frosty Fo- Fro- Frosty Foster. Uh, Five and four, uh, heavyweight, 36 and a half years old, fighting a Yakima MMA, not really familiar with that camp too much. Uh, 36 years old, which is, you know, just fine. Uh, He is on a – he did lose the Suatuanani back in 2018. He had another fight with Suatuanani, which the results have not been reported yet from April – um, so that's very weird. Um, has a win over DJ Linderman, a decent um, kind of regional veteran. Lost to Rudy Skath- Skath- who, uh who is a pretty decent Bellator guy. Lost to Josh Copeland and Chris Rocha, Also decent uh, heavyweights. Um, basically, the guys he has wins over other than DJ Linderman. Have not heard of uh, Thomas Peterson, 4-0. Uh, I believe uh, all of those fights... Uh, have taken place in the LFA except for one, which took place back in Minnesota. He's gotten finishes by KO, uh, punch KO, in all three of those fights. However, those three fights are a three and one, a two and two, and a one and one guy. Um, the five and four will be the best record he's faced. Um, we've seen a couple times over the last few weeks where very, very highly touted uh, heavyweight prospects have kind of um, crumbled. We saw it a few weeks ago um, as well. Um, so I would just say bet with caution here. Um, but I think Bryce Bryce Meredith at minus 1,000, much riskier than Thomas Peterson, minus 500. That's getting to kind of the edge of where I'd want to bet him. But again, I would parlay him with a few of the favorites I feel good about. So um, definitely parlaying him uh, with Tyler Ray to start uh, in – Probably a few more, which I'll get to here shortly. But uh, I'd be cautious with this. But Thomas Peterson should be able to get another KO. Richard Foster, though, is, you know, he's a tough guy. Seems to have a gas tank, has gone to decision a lot of his wins. Uh, but he's been put away by strikes in two of his four losses as well. So uh, I'll take Peterson to continue that trend um, and get the finish on Richard Foster Frosty uh, in a heavyweight bout. But that's our third fight here. Next fight here is at 115. Tiani Valley taking on Catherine Paprocki. Catherine Paprocki was supposed to take on Jania Gooden uh, a few weeks ago on LFA. Uh, Unfortunately, Jania had to pull out uh, last moment. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened. But Catherine clearly ready to get back in there. Um, And she did uh, take another fight here. Has not fought in MMA since uh, February of 2019, where she got to third round against Emily Ducati uh, and got rear naked choked over an extreme fight night. Before that, two, three, four decision wins, although two of those were in striking. Two coming into MMA um, does seem to be pretty well rounded, but looks to keep it on the feet for the most part. Uh, Tiani Valley, uh, she's pretty wild. She's a pretty wild, hard hitting Hawaiian. Um, I've really liked what I've been able to see from her so far three and two overall. They lose to Brittany cloudy, uh, by rear naked choke, really strong, uh, regional girl and Brittany cloudy who, uh, has had her ups and downs for sure. Um, but, uh, Tiani was put away in that fight also put away by Carrie Taylor Melendez, uh, by rear naked choke. But besides that three finishes by KO one coming in the second round, one to Andy Nguyen, Uh, and Ivana Coleman, um, this will be her LFA debut. Um, I think this is a very, very close, well-matched fight here with Catherine. Um, I think Catherine is going to be the, the slightly more technical of the two, but Tiani really does go for it at straw weight. She does hit hard, um, and really get, seem to get her opponent's respect, uh, they're very similar size at 5'4 and 5'3, both weighing in at about 114.5 and pounds. We got uh, Catherine fighting out of Denver. So huge, huge uh, nod there with regards to the possible gas tank advantages. And uh, in a fight that I do think uh, could possibly go the distance, I think Catherine is a little more uh, able to get a decision win. So I'm going to lean with Catherine Pafrocki. In this one, I really do like Tiani Valley, though. Uh, I just think that Catherine is a little more of the technical, uh, has a little more of the overall technical MMA game that would be needed to piece together a decision. Could be a possible split. So, very close fight. Uh, And the odds say that as well. Catherine Preparaki is a slight favorite, minus 120, even to minus 110 for Tiani Valley coming back. So, this definitely is the closest fight of the night. Uh, it could go either way. Paparaki is the angle I'm going to lean ever so slightly. Um, I've seen a few interviews with her. She seems very focused. Very, I think we're going to see a very good version of her coming off of a two-year layoff. And uh, you got—I love uh, training at elevation. I think that makes a huge difference. Um, but should be a really good one. Tiani is super exciting. Uh, next fight here at 125. Uh, Clayton Carpenter. Versus Nick Clem. Uh, Nick Clem, also fighting out of Colorado, 32 years old. Uh, fighting out Easton, Mike Easton, BJJ. Easton versus MMA Lab here for Clayton Carpenter. Uh, Nick Clem, known as the Kraken. Uh, it's an always a good nickname. Really solid topology picture here. Has a nice little doggo in there. Always gotta love the dogs, says Aaron the dog. Uh, 32 years old, flyweight. Uh, waiting at 131 for his last fight. Mark Montoya is his main coach, or at least used to be. I'm not sure if he still is. Uh, he did take a boxing, few boxing bouts, although not successful in either one. Was knocked down in the second one as well in November of last year. Has not fought MMA since 2018. Uh, so we've got another uh, MMA fighter coming off a pretty extended layoff from MMA. Lost to Nick Burgos the 10-6 veteran by decision three and oh prior to that two finishes one by Dars, one by uh, punches although not really of note he was also five and two seven and seven and three as an amateur um fought uh in so has a decent amount of experience coming in here uh just hasn't fought mma in a couple years so a little bit of a red flag to me always um, coming in here against the 3-0 Clayton Carpenter. Uh, I have been able to find some tape on Clayton. Very ex- very exciting flyweight here out of MMA Lab. 3-0 is a pro, 24 years of age. Um, definitely has a lot uh, you know, of expectations. Had two finishes to start his career, a head kick and a rear naked choke. Took on Manuel Medina, who was 0-0 in his LFA debut. Went to a decision. Um, but did look pretty solid against Manuel. Manuel did go on to have a triangle choke win over Chancey Wilson uh, in his L- next LFA fight in February. So, and um, We don't know how good Manuel is yet, but I think he could be a decent prospect, and Clayton was able to handle him quite well. Uh, for the most part, uh, his striking is where he looks to go, but obviously has very good grappling coming out of MMA lab. Um, again, this is an extended layoff for Nick Clem um, and I wasn't able to find a ton of tape on him, so based on what I've seen, I am going to take the MMA product, Clayton Carpenter Um, I think that uh, this could be another close decision, however, but um, I do think that Clayton Carpenter has more of the tools to possibly get the finish, I do think at 24 years old, fighting out of MMA Lab with John Crouch, uh, fighting with the likes of guys like and Henderson, I do think that uh, they are going to have them very ready, and I'm just not crazy about going with these guys with limited experience coming off extended layoffs um, and coming from other uh, other sports, and uh, as always, Bunny, you are the best. We I appreciate uh, all the comments, and everybody who's watching, uh, I, hopefully I'm making a little bit of sense. Uh, if at some point I start to ramble a little too fast, but slow down or something, but I think for the most part, I'm making sense here. I like Clayne Carpenter here minus three twenty five. Again, you know, I do like a lot of the favorites on this LFA card, particularly, um, and he's one of them. Clayne Carpenter, he can go right there. Uh, Bryce Meredith is tough for me at that price, but Clayne Carpenter, Thomas Peterson, and uh, Tyler Ray, I like those three together uh, to come in for a nice uh, above even money parlay right off the bat. So, um, but Clayne Carpenter, I'm excited to see what he's got. 3 and 0 24 years old taking on the 3 and 1 32 year old give me the give me the youth here um, and just like that we're to our co-main event of the evening 125 division and and at, I think this is my favorite fight on the card for sure uh, Rodney Keolohi uh the Hawaiian taking on Mark Kliamako uh, out of AKA um, we've been saying AKA is closed down but I think they are reopening from the pandemic now, so I do believe that uh, Mark is back training there. Twenty-three years old, uh, he is fighting out of California. Fighting out, of aka, uh, I like this kid a lot. Five and zero. Uh, I've gotten to pick. Um, you know, I've really become a big fan of his on the short amount of time that I've gotten to see him. Uh, he fought his second fight ever over in Bellator, uh, which you always love to see. Got a KO very quickly over there. Uh, has returned to UWC, had a rear naked choke and a ground and pound finish, and LFA had a very nice uh, decision win over a fellow undefeated fighter in Palo, Palulu uh, Nakanulua, Nakanulua uh, which was a really good fight I remember breaking that down back in March um, I think I I really like that because uh, again the cage time I think is huge for the 23 year old he is 5-0, and 4-0 as an amateur as well, but I think the cage time for him is invaluable, and I think will really pay off here coming into this fight with Rodney Kialahohi, um, the Hawaiian Rodney. He is he's a wild man. Uh, he's a Hawaiian, um, five six Hawaiian, fighting out of fighting on Jackson Winkeljohn. Uh, very good camp. Um, don't know his age, but I think he's in his late twenties if I remember correctly. Coming off a very impressive body uh, kick. K.O. finish of 5-1 fighter Mephi Rosso. So that was a really uh, very impressive debut. Uh, he is a finisher uh, four, five, all five of his fights being finished inside of two rounds. Uh, he's had two fights finished by body shots, a few finished by punches here. Uh, he did lose, lose to Sean Gee, uh, which was not a good loss in by guillotine. That was back in December of 2016, however. Um, I think this is, uh, going to be fight of the night for LFA. Uh, I really like both of these guys here. They match up really well. Rodney will have the reach and length advantage. Uh, Mark Kilmako is one of the shorter guys at five, four, but, um, he's one of the shorter guys in most of his fights. He's fought at Bantamweight as well. Um, so definitely, I think that this is a very back and forth fight. This is one where I I'm interested in the dog, which is Rodney Kealohi, um, but I really do like Mark Kilamako. My advice is dog or pass on this one. Uh, Mark Kilamako is a minus 260 favorite. So uh, I get it's one of the smaller favorites on this card, plus 200 on Rodney Kealohi. Uh, I really can understand the bet. Rodney's got some very good training partners, he has a good size, he's very tough. Mark is extremely technical, also very tough. Hits very hard, has good grappling, good wrestling. Overall, this guy, I think Mark Kilmako is the real deal. I will say Dogger Pass um, just because I do think Rodney has the ability to finish in this fight. He really does. I think he could be the one pressuring Mark a little bit. But if Mark's able to initiate a little bit of that grappling, the cage control, I do like Mark in this fight, but minus 260, I think it's a little risky. Um, and I think it should be a little closer than that, um, but Mark's got a, t- some really good experience, both amateur and as a pro. Fight aka a.k.a. versus Jackson Winklejohn. Really good matchup here. I think this is going to be a good fight. I will say Mark Kilamako, but minus 260. it Fire beware. That's all I got to say. And um, yeah, Chico won the dog there. I hear you, Chico. Um, but yeah, we are on to our first of three main events of the evening, uh, this one for the LFA 108 card, Josh Frem taking on Gregory Rodriguez out of Brazil. Gregory Rodriguez, 29 years old. I'm shocked he's only 29, looks a lot older than that. Uh, he is known as RoboCop. Um, he was able to rebound from his loss to Jordan Williams on the Contender Series where he was put away inside of three, just over two minutes uh, by punches on the feet. Came back against Al Montavo, another guy who lost on uh, the contender series. Al Montavo lost to Tefan Inchukwe. Um, But Al Montavo was put away by Gregory Rodriguez in round two. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez definitely looked to have a good amount of gas. It was nice to see him get the second round finish and get the second round finish by strikes. Um, He was um, getting a lot of finishes in the first round. And typically his second round finishes did come by submission. Uh, Very good Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, You know, again, there were several fights Gregory Rodriguez was set up for on the Contender Series that fell through against guys like Anthony Adams, Joaquin Buckley, Norse Imovev. Uh, Clearly very high thoughts on Gregory Rodriguez, um, and this should be a very interesting fight. Uh, Gregory Rodriguez is very big for the division. Um, He has fought... um, at middleweight for quite a while however um you know but he's a very big middleweight uh hits very hard i do think at times can be a little bit slow and rigid on his feet um and we saw the speed of jordan williams take advantage of that josh fremd uh very deceptive in his movement is josh fremd in my opinion uh he's a lot quicker than people realize 7-1, uh, 27 years old, entering that prime 6-4, so 6-4 versus 6-2. Um, Josh fremd has been on record several times saying that 76.5-inch reach is wrong. Uh, I believe that it is wrong. He looks to have a longer reach than that when you watch him. If he doesn't have a longer reach, he fights longer than that. Looked really good against Bruno Oliveira, again, uh, that quick KO in that fight um, where Bruno Oliveira made it a stand-up fight and Fremd took advantage of that um i think that fremd uh he does have a few rear naked chokes but it's a stand up uh, it's his boxing that really uh gets people i think for gregory rodriguez gregory rodriguez has got to eliminate the distance got to eliminate the possible reach issues that he could face here against josh fremd um but man i really have liked what how josh frem's looking uh the momentum if you're getting KO'd by guys like Jordan Williams, uh, I do have some questions as to your uh, chin's ability, maybe what that weight cut's doing as he's entering his 30s. I don't know. I'm speculating here, but I do. When this middleweight tournament started out, uh, I believe that this was Josh Frem's uh, tournament to lose. And as, and I still think that coming into this fight against Gregory Rodriguez, uh Josh Fremd is on to bigger and better things after this fight, in my opinion, because I do think that he gets another KO win. I think it can come in the first round. Um, Josh Fremd at minus 250. I really like that price quite a bit. Uh, I respect Gregory Rodriguez um, quite a bit and his experience level, but um, I think that this is Josh Fremd's time. Uh, He's been training with some very good guys, and he looked better than ever in his last fight. So I like Josh Fremd here. Um, If I were making a recommendation on a parlay for this card, I think a four-fight, Josh Fremd at minus 250, uh, Mr. Um, Tyler Ray at minus 400, um, Clayton Carpenter minus 350, and uh, Thomas Peterson minus 500. I think those four together come in uh, pretty handily. It will be well over even money. Um, And any combination of those as well. But, uh, yeah, that will sum up the LFA portion of our breakdown. Uh, But don't worry, folks. That was only seven of the 34 fights that I've been breaking down today because I'm crazy and because I love the sport. Uh, But mostly because I'm crazy. So we are, you know, almost like we're flipping channels here. We're on to... Bellator 259, taking place at 6 p.m. starting on YouTube. The prelims are free on YouTube. Uh, Then we move over to Showtime uh, for the main card. Uh, 14 fights on this fight card. And tons of incredible talent. You can see we have Brett Johns in fight number two. Um, on the free limbs for Bellator. Brett Johns is funny, Danny Sapatello on short notice. But, yeah, we're on to breakdown number two. Bellator, 259, headlined by Leslie Smith versus Chris Cyborg, two. Uh, Leslie Smith, crazy enough to do it twice. Uh, we got to love the one of the pioneers of MMA and Leslie Smith. But before we get to that, We are starting at the 155-pound division with an absolutely fantastic fight between 19 and 3, Alexander Shabili, uh, known as the Preservet. I'm just going to call him Alexander Shabili. Uh, 19 and 3, 4 of his last 5 fights. He's won 5'9", 155-er, fighting out of, of Russia, Uh, Taking on Alfie Davis, the English product, 14-3 and out of London Shoe Fighters, uh, 29 years old, 5'11", 71-inch reach. I will start with Alfie Davis. Uh, I uh, was pretty impressed with what I got to see out of Alfie Davis his last time out. uh, He looked really, really solid uh, over in Valtor Euro Series. I believe it was taking place in London back in September of 2020. Actually, I believe uh, most all of his fights so far have taken place over in uh, England for Bellator, but not 100% positive of that. But um, against Akon Wanlis, really um, Alfie fights like he does in a lot of his fights. Alfie is hugely about his movement, hugely about using a kick-based attack. Um, very, very cerebral guy. Uh, has a split decision loss to 12 and one Lezek uh, Krakowski, uh, which there's no shame in that at all. Um, has a few finishes by body kicks and other kick finishes. Uh, has a few liver kick finishes. KOs prior to getting into Bellator. In Bellator, he is 4 and 0, all four fights going the distance. And, uh, I, If you don't know, uh, I am never one who has a problem with players going to the decision, especially with how Alfie Davis fights. Uh, he likes to keep the danger away from his opponent, um, uses a lot of movement, a lot of kicks, always comes in very conditioned. Alfie's a really confident guy, too. Uh, it's one of the things I really like about him. Uh, but Alexander Shabili is no joke. He is a Russian powerhouse. 19 and 3, fantastic record. Crazy. This is the opener on the prelims. 28 years old, um, 5'9. Gonna have a shorter reach advantage, making his Bellator debut, uh, possibly his United States debut as well. Um, He's fought, he did fight Adriano Martins over uh, in Fight Night Global. Uh, That was a very good fight. Martins was on a three fight losing streak at that point uh fought alexander Sedade C- in his last fight a night a 14 and 2 guy has a win over a 33 and 7 glist glirstone. uh santos uh tons of really good experience ryan quinn a very good uh wrestler he put him away early has some flying knee punched knee finishes heel hooks this guy is super exciting uh very very wild and uh has been able to show in his last few fights against the elevated competition, he can fight to a decision. Um, This one's a very interesting fight for me. Um, I got to make quite a bit of my reads prior to the odds being released. The odds were not released till today. Um, So when I made odds, I really thought this was going to be a very close fight. Um, I think Alfie Davis can frustrate a ton of guys, especially guys where he has a significant reach advantage. Um, The speed may be with Alexander Shabili. Power is with Alexander Shabili. If he can get him, if he can get Alfie cornered and backed against the cage, uh, I do like Alexander's chances. But I think Alfie can really frustrate a lot of these guys. Bellator debut, first time over in the States for Alexander. Um, there's going to be quarantine issues, weight cutting with uh, the smaller sauna. I do think that weight cutting is more of an issue for Alexander as well. I think he cuts a lot of weight. To get down to the 155 division, he looks very heavily muscled and thick. Um, he's looked really good. He's been a finisher prior to the last few fights, and now that he's gained his decisions definitely gives me some confidence on his possible gas tank. I think this is a really good close fight. I'm going to lean Alfie Davis for my pick. Um, I think that he can get a decision here. His kicks can really keep a shorter-armed, shorter reach fighter at bay here. Really could frustrate Alexander, I'm not sure how many guys he's faced similar to Alfie Davis. Alfie Davis um, just fights similar to like a, a Randy Costa in the UFC. Um, has some kind of Machita like elements to his game, Wonder Boy style striking. Has that kind of wide karate stance at points, so it could be tough to take down. I like Alfie. Four fights in the UF or in the in Bellator, I apologize. Uh, really, really good experience um, and has the confidence. Definitely a believer. This is a hell of a Opener to this card. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, and I got my first dog in the first fight here. Uh, Alfie Davis is a plus 330 underdog, minus 450 Alexander Shabilly. I do think this is dog or pass. I think that those odds are really crazy. It's really hard for anybody to really dominate Alfie Davis. I have not seen that. And Alfie has the experience in this organization. Um, and I think Alfie's face more guys similar to Alexander than Alexander has to Alfie. And at that price, I'm going to take a shot at it, but maybe we come fight night and I feel very stupid, but give me Alfie Davis, give me the dog. And we're going to move on to our next fight. It is a short notice replacement for Brett Johns and Danny Sabatello. Uh, Brett Johns was supposed to face Matthias Matos, which would have been a really good fight. But I think this is a really uh, intense grappling bout here. Danny Sabatello, ten and one, fighting out of eight, um, ATT American Top Team. Um, we know what we're getting with Danny at this point. And if you don't, let me explain it. The Italian gangster, uh, four fight win streak, uh, twenty eight years old, entering that what is known as the prime. Uh, His only loss coming to Erwin Rivera in round four of Titan, where he was knocked out towards the end of the fourth round. Since then, uh, he's pretty much cruised a few arm triangle and a rear naked choke uh, to lead up to the Contender Series, where he took on Taylor Moore, who uh, also failed a PD test after that fight. So Taylor Moore was on some form of uh, performance enhancing drugs for that fight, but Danny Sabatello was taking him down, taking him down, taking him down, taking him down some more. Uh, then got a very impressive uh, decision win over DeMond Blackshear. Uh, Damon Blackshear is a guy that you should know from the regional scene, beat a lot of good guys, um, and definitely is a guy who, if you're beating, you're ready for one of the bigger organizations. Um, but now uh, Danny's definitely got a very, very tough draw for his short, short-notice debut here in Brett Johns. Uh, Brett Johns, former UFC uh, competitor. Uh, I am five and one picking Brett John's fight. So I have a pretty good read on him. Uh, currently on two fight win streak um, to Montel Jackson and Tony Gravely. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has here in his Bellator debut against uh, Danny Sabatello. Um, you know, I think that Brett Johns is one of the better uh, grapplers in this division along in, in You know, Wales has a few really strong grapplers along with Jack Shore, Um, you know. And I do think that on the feet, uh, Brett Johns will have the advantage. Danny Sabatello, not a great striker. And most likely with the two grapplers here, we're not going to see a lot of wrestling. If we do, whoever's on top has a huge, huge advantage here. Um, This is a really good 135 fight here. Um, But I do like Brett Johns here making his Bellator debut. Just the level of competition, his technical mastery. I think he's the better of the two wrestlers and has definitely the wider MMA game. Um, good for Danny for taking this fight. He's a plus 250 underdog. So definitely, I think, getting some respect as a short notice replacement here. Minus 325 for Brett Johns. Um, I do like this fight for Brett. I think Brett's faced some good grapplers before and shown a good propensity to be able to compete in that realm with them. Uh, Short notice for Danny. Props to him, but uh, I think it's going to be a tough night at the office. Uh, Next fight here at 145, Leah McCourt is back. Uh, She's one of my favorites at Featherweight, uh, taking on Janae Harding, um, also known as Hollow Point out of uh, New Zealand. Uh, She's fighting on Tiger Muay Thai, uh, has a very good Muay Thai game, uh, so definitely has been able to work on it over there. Six and four. 26 uh, year old Muay Thai fighter uh, coming off a win against Jessie Malay in her um, third bout with fourth bout with Bellator. Um, she's two and two in Bellator, le- losing to Amber LeBrock as well as beating Sinead Kavanaugh and Marina uh, Makatikina. Makatikina is four and one. Sinead Kavanaugh, well known, five and two. That was stopped by a doctor's uh, cut. She was ground and pounded by Amanda Bell um, prior to picking up a win against Jessie Millay in November of 2020. Um, it was good to see her back in the back in the octagon. She had taken a couple boxing or back in the cage, she'd take a couple boxing bouts. Um, but Jessie Malay, decent girl, not an incredible incredible girl, but a girl who, if you're wanting to be good again, you beat. And uh, she was able to take that decision, um, has very good elbows, very good Muay Thai techniques, um, has several KO finishes, has some ground and pound as well. She's been finished herself. Liam Court, 4-1, um, very good fighter, uh, 28 years old, 5'8", um, and Faina SPG, um, looking very good for this camp so far. For I've been able to see 4-1. Overall, three and zero in Bellator, coming off a, coming off a decision win against Judith Reese that was in uh, February of last year. Uh, was supposed to take on Janae Harding in May, uh, and that fight was canceled due to Corona. So now this is a fight that is uh, going to be over a year in the making by the time they finally get it. So uh, that should be really interesting. Uh, Leah McCourt. Uh, Likes to use a lot of cage pressure, use a lot of wrestling, uh, implement her grappling for sure. Janae Harding is going to want to keep this on the feet, keep it at distance. If it does get into a clinch, she will. I bet be looking to initiate the Muay Thai clinch, use those elbows, use those knees. Um, If she's not able to get the respect of Leah early, I think Leah really pours on the pressure, cage control and cage pressure, Uh, eventually, possibly even... um, possibly even getting uh, to her opponent's back or to a mount and being able to put on an arm triangle or rear naked choke type of finish. I will give Janae credit. Um, I think she's tough enough to where uh, the finish, I don't think, is going to come very easily. Um, so I do see this going to a decision. So that gets risky. Um, you know. But I am going to take a decision win for Leah McCourt uh, Leah McCord or Janae has not been finished by submission. Um, and I do think McCord's gonna look to kind of really focus on position in this fight. Um, it is one of the smaller dogs that I do like quite a bit minus 150 plus 120 to Janae Harding. Both these girls are gonna come in very prepared, they've both been preparing for one another for over a year. So I hope this does result in uh, the best version of these two. Um, we know Bellator is a big fan of Leah, giving her a ton of opportunities with media and whatnot. So, um, not saying that plays a factor here at all, but I do think Leah has a very keen mind for the game. Not saying Janae doesn't, but I just think Leah has more ways to win. Uh, controls the grappling, gets the cage pressure, and grinds out that decision win. Uh, big win for whoever takes that. One forty-five could be setting up for a fight or two away from a possible Cyborg appearance. Uh, next fight here, Davian Franklin versus Tyler King. This is a heavyweight bout. Uh, lot of red for Tyler King. He's lost at least his last five, 12 and nine overall. Um, for the Marauder, Tyler King, 40 years of age, 6'5", 79-inch reach by Connors MMA Academy. Not familiar with that. Um, he lost to Jamal Jones in his last... MMA fight back in October of 2020. He was knocked out at the end of round one. It was a pretty rough knockout. He's been knocked out by Chris Larson. He's been knocked out by Jared Kilkenny. He's been knocked out by Amir Alakarbari, Keith Bell. Um, he's been, he got a decision against Pat Welsh before he was knocked out by Greg Ribello. Uh, he was knocked out by Eric Bedard. Knocked out by Dan Spawn in uh, the Ultimate Fighter Season 19, if you remember Tyler King from there. Tyler King's been knocked out in seven of his nine losses. Um, And so that is kind of where I go with this one. Davian Franklin, uh, 26 years old, going to be 27 in June. So fellow Gemini, happy happy early birthday, Davian. All day, Franklin. Uh, but 26 years old, 26 versus 40. Another Jackson Winklejohn guy on the card. Like to see that. I uh, had a really weird fight with Ras uh, Hilton in his last fight, where, uh, yeah, it just it kind of ended sloppily. Um, we did see Davian getting dragged into the deep cardio waters and how he did start to falter a little bit, and that was stopped with apparent back of the head shots by Ras Hilton or on Ras Hilton, but it really looked like Ras Hilton was just exhausted and hurt uh davian did get a finish by ground and pound of jw kaiser who i feel like we've been talking about so many people lately who fought jw kaiser um but he got the finish in that fight um i like to finish early on here tyler king has been knocked out seven times and i think been knocked out by guys who do not hit as hard as davian um with davian uh we saw in the last fight when you get to the third round things get dicey uh he gets sloppier he gets less uh less technical, but I just don't think Tyler has the horsepower or the armor to get to that point. So I'm going to take the chalkiest of chalk favorites here, Davian uh, Franklin. He's a minus 800 versus a plus 550 at Tyler King. I'm not saying bet it, but, I mean, Tyler King, I think, is being brought in very clearly to make uh, the 2-0 and o fighter 3-0. and o. Speaking of 3-0 and o fighters, Valerie Lareda is finally back. I feel like this girl has been talking about being back for, like, about a year. felt like she kept saying, like, December, then it was January, and then it was, but, you know, uh, there's no secret here. Valerie Lareda, very popular uh, social media game. Uh, Taekwondo practitioner she, since she was born. She'll make sure to let you know that every time she talks about herself. Um, Fightside at ATT uh, has the best training partners in the world. Uh, Has a ton of very invested people backing her. Very, you know, very pretty girl, 22 years old, uh, turns 23 in July. Taking on Hannah Guy, the hurricane, uh, relentless grappling in MMA in Mississippi. Uh, Two and one. um, Seems like a very nice, hardworking girl out of Mississippi. Has a split decision loss to Kayla Haracho. Kayla Haracho, not a bad fighter at all. Um, you know, I do respect her Hannah guy also five and O as an amateur, uh, has a few rear naked choke wins in there. Definitely a grappler as an arm bar win as well, beat Vanessa Grimes, who not the greatest of competition. Now, um, I would say Valerie is getting an, a decent matchup, but, um, Valerie's question definitely is her ground game and particularly what happens if she's on uh, her back, we don't really know too much about that yet. We've been able to see some ground and pound. Got to see it last time against uh, Tara Graff. Uh, she did fight Kobe Fletcher as well and get a KO there. Went to a decision with uh, 0-1 LaRick Dosh. Uh, so, um, yeah, still very early on in Valerie's career, 2-1 and as an amateur losing a split. Um, I do think for Hannah... Hannah is not going to look to grapple or look to um, look to look to a stand up game much in this. I think that she's got to know that the spot she really can possibly have an advantage is with regards to cardio and grappling. So I want, I would expect her to spam takedowns, work the cage and everything. But it's just we've got one girl who's training in a very small gym in Mississippi, hasn't fought against the best of competition uh, Valerie Lareda, um, fighting on at ATT hasn't fought the best competition inside of the Valator cage, but outside of it, she's training with girls like Marina Morose. Uh, she's got girls like, uh, Yohan Janjacek, all of the facilities in the world of ATT. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. She definitely, uh, cuts a lot of weight to get down to, uh, this division so that is always something i'm watching out for at flyweight for valerie but for hannah she's got to get in there she's got to grapple make it dirty make it make it a slow pace sloppy fight um if their fans have the fans booing um but i'm just not sure she has the acumen in the wrestling game to get the fight to her grappling um, but if she does that all of a sudden a uh you know, a pretty huge favorite in a minus six ten against a plus four twenty-five. It's a dogger pass for me completely. Um, no two ways about it. Um, the, I think that Valerie event is starting to slowly work up to where she's gonna have to face a little bit of steeper competition as she goes. Um, if she can't handle Hannah Guy, she's definitely not gonna be able to you know the upper echelon. And right now. Valerie's the number nine ranked girl at 125, so I have high expectations. Uh, You know, the Bellator rankings are a whole other Oprah story that we'll save for another day. Uh, But moving on to 155 division, uh, Aviv Gonzalez, the Israeli grappler, taking on Sean Felton, Superfly, out of New York. 30 years old is Sean Felton, 6'1", a good size, 155-er, Sean Felton. 5-2-1, 5-2-1, 30 years old, 6-1. Uh, uh, again, good reach. Coming off a draw against Pia Cahy, uh Zimmerman, a 5-3 individual. Drew Morales went to a split decision and won that before losing to Elijah Harris and Anthony Romero. Anthony Romero was his first or second fight, and that was a close fight. He did push Romero. We've also gotten to see how good Romero is coming off of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, so I don't think that's one to hang your head on. Uh, but his wins coming to guys like Xavier Nash, uh, Ty Knuckles, uh, Vince Ciotoli, you know, just guys I'm not all that familiar with, um, pretty low level records here. Um, and Gonzali or Gozali, we know what he does. He's a grappling wizard. And I mean, wizard, uh, five and O oh now, um, had a heel hook of Eduardo uh It was a really beautiful eminari roll heel hook for the fastest submission in Bellator of history. Uh, followed that up with an anaconda choke inside of a minute on fourteen and eight. Zaka Faltuzade. and then a one and zero win over Logan Neal, or a win over one and zero Logan Neal, uh, where again Logan Neal has gone on to get two. Wins since uh, facing Aviv, uh, so he's three and one now. Uh, has another fight coming on up on Valor Underground against a six and three individual. So uh, Aviv makes these makes everybody look like they haven't grappled. He gets in there and he looks for the finish immediately. Five fights, five first round finishes. Uh, Sean Felton uh, definitely uh, the striker of the two of these going to look to keep it on the ground. I just think Aviv is going to be. Un, you know, unrelenting on the takedowns. And I just am not sure if the tall 6'1", uh lightweight on New York, Sean Felton, is going to be able to get off the shots he needs, to get the respect that he wants to get from Aviv. Um, we haven't seen Aviv when the takedowns are stopped, but it's also hard to imagine him not getting the takedown or even getting your back from seeing just any way to start grappling and slowly suck you into his world. So um, I like Aviv a lot. Um, I know there's a lot of issues going on with Israel and uh, Palestine right now, so that could be a possible distraction or a possible motivation. Minus 425 for Aviv. Uh, I'll parlay that. Plus 300 for Sean. I think Aviv is the real deal, Um, but we've got to see him keep facing that better and better competition. So we shall see. Um, We are to uh, the... Fourth, from, or the third from the top on the prelims, Samiko Inaba taking on Christina Katsiski's. Uh, this is at Flyweight again. Um, this is a fight I would have been interested to see Valerie take on in Nevada, uh, in Inaba. Uh, really impressive in her debut. 30 years old, taking on the 30 year old one and one, the meat grinder, Christina Katsiski. Uh, love the nickname. Uh, 30 years old, as I said. Um, she's one and one with a win over Vanessa Grimes. Um, as Hannah Guy also had Hannah Guy, and most do finish Vanessa. Uh, this was a decision for Katsikiski. Um, had a split decision as an amateur and lost the decision. So she's had the realm of decision uh, decision kind of feelings here. A uh, Simiko Inaba. Uh, I really like what I saw from her in her debut, 1-0. She took on an 0-1. Jessica Ruiz landed a lot of shots on the feet and then ended it with the ground-and-pound victory um, and also has a very good amateur uh, experience, 6-1 and one as an amateur, lost a majority decision. Other than that, all stoppages except for one decision, some strike stoppages uh, and a ref stoppage in round three. Um, I like, uh, Samiko Unaba quite a bit in this fight. I think that she is the more explosive, impressive athlete has, um, can take the fight wherever she wants. I think her top control is legit, uh, has good fishing ability. Uh, I like Samiko a lot. Uh, I could see her being an eventual matchup for Valerie if they, if they so inclined, very similar experience Samiko minus 500 favorite though. Plus 350 for uh, Katsikis. Um, So um, I like the favorite here. I think she should be reliable, but only 1 0, 6 1 as an amateur, but only 1 0 as a pro. 30 years old, also. So anything can happen for sure. Um, But I'm going to Samika. Next fight here Grant Neal versus Tyree Fortune, not Tyrell Fortune. This is Tyree Fortune, brother of Tyrell Fortune. Light heavyweight 30 years old turning 32 in July. Um, he is a little more lanky than his brother, it at least looks like. If I have American top team Portland 6'2, 76 and a half inch reach, taking on the 5'11 Jeff Neal with the 74 inch reach. Uh, so Tyree does have the reach advantage, but Neal is all, all about that pressure, as we all know. Um, and with Tyree. He is coming off of a split win of Chuck Campbell in his second fight in Bellator. Had a decision win over Michael Quintero in his debut. Has not fought since November of 2019. Um, Last year in December, it was scheduled Grant, Neal, and Fortune. Fortune had to withdraw. I'm not sure exactly what the issue was, but they did rebook this fight here. Um, and so they both, again, this is a fight where both guys have been preparing for a year plus, um, for each other. Uh, Tyree obviously training with his brother amongst other fighters there. Um, Tyrell fortune had a little bit of a, a little bit of a skid as well. Um, and the guys that, uh, Tyree has faced, um, have not been of the highest level. Uh, fellow five and O guy, Grant Neal here. Um, really, really strong, puts on a ton of pressure. Uh, built like a fire hydrant at 5'11 at 185 on an 11 fight win streak between his pro and amateur career. Has never lost in either. Fighting out of Denver, Colorado in Genesis Training Academy. Um, so, again, that high sea level, high elevation keeps that gas tank going. Has a second round win over Maurice Jackson. Had a decision win against Hamza. Salim, where Hamza was not doing anything, has four of his five wins in Bellator. Uh, had a ground pound win of Claude Cox. Um, I think that he looks to really pressure Tyree here. I think pressure, 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 and more pressure. Um, I think that the gas tank will favor um, will favor Grant Neal as well. Even though when you look at these guys, you probably look at Grant and you're like, oh, he's the stockier, more muscular guy going to have a gas issue, but I think Tyree has been the one to show to slow down a little bit as these fights go. So I like Grant Neal uh, in this fight. I think it's a very good matchup. I just think Grant Neal is the stronger, more aggressive, capable grappler, and that's, I think, where it really comes down to. Grappling and cage control for Grant Neal are huge. I also think the power in the striking is on Grant Neal's side. And uh, conditioning, Denver is If I was a fighter, I would be training in Colorado. I think it makes a huge difference training at elevation, and a guy like Tyree Fortune has shown some issues with his gas tank at times. I like Grant Neal quite a bit. Um, He is a pretty decent favorite. I was expecting this one to be a little closer. Minus 275 for Grant Neal, plus 210 for Tyree Fortune. Uh, I just – I'm just not sure if Tyree can kind of withstand the pressure and the volume of Grant Neal. So my, I might be looking more into if this fight goes the distance or not, which if I had to say, I would say it does go the distance. I think these guys do match up with each other well. Uh, two undefeated guys and very good. But I'll take Grant Neal here, but he is a, he is a bigger favorite than I'd prefer. Um, so maybe some people see the fortune name and, Uh, get excited. But Tyree Fortune, little brother of Tyrell, uh, still a good fighter, but I'm going to take Grant Neal here. Um, And we are to the final fight of the prelims on breakdown two of three people. If you cannot see it below, I'm doing, we already did the LFA, which you can check out. I interviewed Fernando Padilla at the beginning of the show. Fernando Padilla just got signed by the UFC. Featherweight contender at 14 and 4, 24 years old, 6'1, Mexican featherweight. Check him out. He had an elbow. He's going to be on Dana Weiss looking for a fight. Uh, LFA breakdowns here. We're in the middle of Bellator 259. We're to the featured prelim. The prelims again will be on YouTube for free. So, in case you thought you had an excuse before, you really don't. Uh, and this is a very good fight. Sayed Awad, long time Bellator staple, going through a rough patch here in his last few. Uh, 23 and 13 now, taking on 16 and 3. Nate the Snake Andrews. Uh, he does the snake thing with his hand. So I was trying to do it. I like Nate yeah. Andrews quite a bit. Uh, he was in the PFL last year, uh, able to play a little bit of a spoiler, fights out of Triforce, MMA, as well as New England Combat. Um, played spoiler to Rashid Magomedov uh, in a fight that, frankly, when I watched it, I scored it for Rashid. But Definitely a very close fight. Um, Nate Andrews was able to use his length in striking, hurt Rashid in a few spots there, and uh, really one of the only times I've seen Rashid really hurt. Uh, good body kicks, good uh, grappling as well. Has a finish of Bryce Logan uh, by guillotine choke. That's very very impressive. Um, has a win over a few others with decent records, but not that I am as familiar with. Knocked out Julian Lane. Back in uh, March of 2016, let me bang, bro. Um, Yeah, he's got tons of finishes. um, Since taking that next step up, as it often happens, the decisions have come. Has two decision losses, um, one being a majority decision to Chris Wade. No shame there. Again, has the win over Rashid Magomedov. uh, uh, Yeah, which is just very, very impressive. Uh, Saeed Awad, he's been around for a long time. 37 years old now, uh, on a four-fight losing streak, as I said uh, before that. um, And also had a no contest in his last fight against Mando Nalo, rat garbage, where he was low-blowed in a fight that I think he was actually winning. He really did look good. Um, So if that's an indication, if he comes into this Nate Andrews fight with that same sort of aggressiveness and accuracy with the striking, I think Cyan Awad could surprise Nate Andrews quite a bit. His losses have come to Benson Henderson, Brandon Gritz, or Gertz, sorry, Goti Yamamuchi, uh, and Paul Daly. No shame in any of those. Has a ton of finishes as well. When you really look at all his losses, there are the guys like Brennan Ward at 170, Derek Anderson, who's a very good fighter, Patricky Pitbull, lost to Will Brooks in a decision, um, He's been He's fought a ton of very good fighters, uh, also knocked out Will Brooks. Um, you know, it's just Saeed Awad has played Spoiler and Shocker a lot. Um, I had bet Mando Nalo in my last fight and was very nervous until that uh, low blow happened. So um, Saeed Awad knows how to play Spoiler, knows how to make me really sweat. Um, these are two long, skinny strikers Um and I do think Nate Andrews has the propensity to use the grappling a little bit more. Uh, I think it would be smart for him to do so in this fight. But I do think he's going to look to really show off that striking, uh, has good body kicks, has good uh, good pressure, good boxing, uh, good takedowns. And Saeed Awad, 37 years old, uh, fighting at 155 still. I'm just wondering if the cuts, the smaller weight, the more athletic individuals, this is not a young man's division. Uh, and he's taken, he's been in a lot of wars, fought a lot of good competition. Nate Andrews, um, last three being against Chris Wade and Rashid Magomedov. Uh, very, very good level of competition here. Um, almost got a win over Chris Wade as well. These two like to play spoiler a lot. Um, I think Nate Andrews is coming into this fight with the momentum, uh, with the hunger. It's going to be a little more assertive, the younger man. Um, so I'm going to take Nate Andrews here, um, but I'm shocked at the price. Um, it's dogger pass for me. Minus 350 for Nate Andrews is way too high. Um, he fights a lot of guys very closely. Sayed Awad has 12 plus Bellator fights, has faced champions before, has beaten champions, uh, before. Um, and again, against Mando Nalo, who Mando Nalo ended up looking very good in his next fight. Um, he really gave Mando all he could take before those low blows ended up stopping the fight. So, um, I do like um, Nate Andrews, but this is uh, way too big of a line at minus three fifty, so it's gonna have to be a pass from me. Uh, pass from me, dog. But a uh, really good fight. That is the prelim featured fight of the night. We made it to main card number two of three. Gonna take a very quick sip of water. How y'all doing? Uh, are you enjoying this information? Oh. I cannot I cannot believe I'm able to kind of fit all this in my head, but I love this sport and I love breaking down these fights. So thank you all for joining again. And um, uh, you know, I will keep going here. Took a little break, one more sip of water. All right. We're on to the main card now of Bellator two fifty nine taking place on Friday, May twenty first. At sorry at 6 p.m. on YouTube, first fight of the main card, uh, very exciting prospect here. And Christian Edwards, he's back, four and 0 now uh, out of Oklahoma, only 22 and a half years old, uh, light heavyweight on the up and up, taking on a former middleweight out of Mississippi. Uh, the I believe he's about 28, 29 year old. Ben Big Tuna Parish out of Mississippi, four and one. Not going to win any bodybuilding competitions, but there's a lot of guys who won't win bodybuilding competitions or good MMA guys. So um, we get a little into the record here. Um, Took on Logan Woods in his last fight. It was a catchweight of 195. And this was in November of 2019. And he had the Weidman Silva break, took an inside leg kick uh, to Logan Woods, his opponent, took a step back and his leg snapped. So, um, this is definitely one that I'm interested to see to weigh-ins. I want to see Ben Parrish's conditioning coming back after this layoff um, because before it, he wasn't always in the greatest of shape. He's been off for two years, had a major uh, injury, and he's bo- going back up to 195 or 205 where he's fought most of his career. He does have a rear naked choke him. Teddy Holder. Uh, who i do rank a decently a decent regional guy the other guys he's fought 1 and 1 oh and 4 3 and 14 um, has some decent striking but seems to use it to get to his grappling um, christian edwards forno oh, legit 205er um, has looked very good in bellator so far 4 of his 5 uh 4 of his or 3 uh, 4 of his 5 fights have been in bellator uh he has a win oh he has an elbow finish a left he- head kick finish and a rear naked choke finish of hamazad salim a guy who we saw earlier on in the card who uh faced i believe grant neal um and when he faced grant neal grant neal was not able to finish him meanwhile uh christian edwards broke him down by the second round used his wrestling got his back and took a rear naked choke home um christian edwards has a really impressive uh highlight reel uh you know finish of vargas to start out his uh career has a grab has a heel hook and grappling also which you like that definitely like to see um yeah and all four of his pro fights have been in bellator so he hasn't had five fights um yeah three or two first round finishes uh Decision over Marco Hutch, where he really showed his overall game. Uh, I do think that Ben Parrish is being brought in here. Uh, you know, getting a great opportunity after breaking his leg, uh, two years ago. Um, I frankly think going from that to a huge, huge prospect in Bellator, it's a pretty steep hill to climb for the Mississippi product and Ben Parrish. I got Christian Edwards here. Uh, I think he gets a KO finish, um, I just think athletically and tactically, he, he's he got it all. 22 and a half years old. This guy is one of the guys in the 205 division. I'm really excited to see in the upcoming years. Minus 550 favorite for Christian Edwards. That's that squash price. Plus 380 on Ben Parrish. I can in good conscience give you guys the advice to go with Ben Parrish. I think Christian Edwards does win this and gets a finish. In emphatic fashion, very confident guy, Christian Edwards. I'm pretty confident in him. I wish the price was a little better. It's just a little bit too crazy for me. So I'm gonna have to, you know, say pass on it for the most part. Uh Jaleel Willis versus Mekon Mendaka. This is unofficially the LFA 100. you know, like this is the LFA 170 pound title. Fight taking place in uh bellator these are two of the recent 100 welterweight uh champions from lfa makon mendaka i will start with the 30 year old brazilian um six to 77 inch reach fighting a black house mma muay thai specialist on a five fight win streak uh in those five fights he's gotten a uh, finish of devin smith who's been on the contender series uh Ended up finishing Devin Smith after Devin Smith went for a spinning back fist, and uh, Mandaka went right out of the way and landed a right uh, hook straight to the temple. Beautiful technical striking uh, on Um Also has a finish of Cassius, uh, K- uh, Cassius Kanye, uh, a very good uh, regional guy. He got a triangle finish. Uh, Batsumbaro uh, Dagavadorj, uh, the Mongolian. Uh, what is it? I forgot. Uh, that it, It's the Mongolian Falcon. That's what I thought it was. Uh, they had an absolute war for five rounds where uh, I think he put a beating on the Mongolian Falcon that he's never really going to fully recover from. Uh, Makon does have some uh, potential chin issues uh, that have shown up in some of his fights. He's been knocked out in under two minutes twice by Matthew Frinchu. Uh, The Australian product, uh, very impressive fight there. And then Christian Aguilera, um, he was knocked out in 27 seconds where he kind of waved him on and was like, let's go. And then he was completely shut out. Uh, Mekon does not like when he's very, very crowded. Um, I think for Jaleel Willis, that is his route to victory. Willis needs to crowd him. And pressure him with volume and cage control. 29 year old, 5'11, 76 inch reach, so very good reach. Uh, Memphis Judo and Jiu Jitsu uh, had a very impressive debut win over Mark Lemminger, a uh, good wrestler, very big guy, and he was able to deal with the 170 grappling power and really show it off. Um, he'd had some issues with getting controlled earlier in his career, which he really corrected, beat Vinicius De Jesus. Um, in a very good fight. Um, one thing that I did notice in that fight, however, is Vinicius was able to land a lot of inside leg kicks on Jaleel. If he has not corrected that movement and the weight he's putting on that lead leg, I do think that could be a route mekon Mendonca takes to uh, possibly steal this one. Um, these guys have fought very similar levels of competition, both be- being brought up through the LFA, uh, both have good reaches of 76, 77 inches um, both have good movement. I think that uh, the uh Jaleel Willis is the one who needs to pressure and possibly look for the takedowns at certain points in this fight. Um and so I'm really going back and forth. I'm gonna take Jaleel Willis. Um, I've just liked how he's uh how he looked in that last fight against a very different guy in Mark Lemminger than he's taking on here in main uh, Macon. But I do think Macon looks at times a little bit for the 170 division. There's some possible chin issues at times. So I'm going to take the slight dog in Jaleel Willis. I think that if he avoids the power in round one, this becomes more and more his fight. He has more and more ability to pressure and get the control as the fight goes on. So give me some Jaleel Willis at plus 105. Give me that dog. I like it. I do think he'll fight for your money. Uh, and I think he uh, is still ever improving both guys right in their prime at 29 and 30 years old. Um, this is a great fight, great matchup, really excited to see what happens in this one, but I'll take Jaleel Willis and I'll take him to get a, uh, another decision win. he's really been stringing together, five straight decisions. I like a six straight here, um, but uh could be another really impressive perform- performance from Macon. I just think that, uh, I like Jaleel in this one. I like how he's starting to look at the welterweight division. And, uh, yeah, it's a good one. 14-2 versus 11-4. Very good matchup. Next fight, third from the top. Uh, and then we are only we only have one more uh, fight card to go here. Um, but Fabian Edwards taking on Austin Van Page. Or Van Zant, also known as Vanderford. Um, Austin Vanderford, now... Has really gotten comfortable at middleweight. He was kind of a tweener for a little while there. The 31 year old product, Austin Vanderford, the gentleman 10 and zero. Um, we know what Austin looks to kind of go in here and do, uh, out of Alaska originally, uh, then moved to Oregon where, um, we know how the grappling acumen is there out Gracie Barra in Portland. Um, arm trying, I'd say the arm triangle is his go-to move for sure. Um, I was able to win in submission underground with it even uh, a few times, so that's super impressive. Also, has one outside um, in the cage with it. Uh, took on Gratchin Boisnian, a uh, very good fighter, uh, and really controlled him. Took on Vinicius de Jesus, uh, also controlled him. Not able to get the finish in those, but kept the grappling going throughout. Um, de Jesus also took on Jaleel Willis, so um, and we saw, I think. Um, Vanderford really eliminated every aspect of Vinicius' game. Um, he just kind of goes in looks for the takedown. That's what he does. Um, locks up the arm triangles, ground and pound, rear naked chokes. Um, I think he looks to do the same thing here. Fabian Edwards, I think this is a rough matchup for his style. Fabian, very ex- exciting striker, fights very similar to his brother, um, Leon Edwards, uh, 28 years old, one almost an 80 inch reach, really impressive, um, striking, uh, can be taken down, however, and controlled. Those were, uh, he was fully mounted by Costello Van Stinas, Um, and I do think that was what resulted in, uh, Costello getting a close split decision before that undefeated, um, undefeated fighter himself and Fabian Edwards had, um, you know, some submissions early on, but it was a striking. I think that, Proved to really be what got him to the dance his um, second fight in Bellator. He was kind of getting controlled by Falco Neto, an eleven and nine guy, until the up kicks came. They finished him, but a split decision went over Mike Shipman. Um, that was a very good fight over in London. Led to a split loss to Costello, Vanstinus. I just think that Austin is a much better wrestler and grappler than Costello, and so I think Austin can get to those similar type of positions Costello was able to get to in order to get the split. Um, I do like Fabian. I know that he's preparing with his brother right now. They both have fights coming up. Nate Diaz coming up at the beginning or middle of June So uh, for Leon. So Fabian and Leon are really preparing for each other. I just think that Fabian at 185 um, just seems a little bit easily takedownable and controllable, and that is what Austin's going to look to do against just about everybody. If Austin comes in here and tries to outbox Fabian, out Muay Thai Fabian, outstrike Fabian, then uh, that's just not the route to go for Austin to win this fight. But I think Austin shoots for that takedown, shoots for it again and again, gets it in, you know, controls the position for at least two or three rounds. I like Austin Vanderford quite a bit. I love the I like the price of minus 240 against a plus 180 in Fabian Edwards as well. I get this is one of Austin's toughest matchups of his career, but I do think it's also uh, Fabian's toughest matchup of his career. So um, And I just wasn't crazy seeing Costanello, uh, Van Stinas get a uh, full mount. I think that Austin can do that and more. So I got to go with Austin, minus 240. I am totally good with that price. Uh, Co-main event. Bantamweight division between Bantamweight Staple, Darian Caldwell, taking on Leandro Higo. This is the second time they've fought Leandro Higo, 25, 32 years old, taking on the 33-year-old Darian Caldwell. The first time they fought, Darian Caldwell got the takedown. Leandro was looking to get back to his feet, exposed that neck. Darian locked it up and got the tap inside of a round. Um, Very impressive. Uh, performance for Darren Caldwell, Darren Caldwell's done that to a ton of guys. It is the only, it, well, it's technically the second time because on The Ultimate Fighter, he was also submitted. Uh, the only time in his official record where he was submitted. Um, he is currently on a two-fight, one-streak finishing uh, Sean Bunch with a guillotine and then Ricky Bandejas with a rear naked choke back in October. Really impressive um, performance there for Higo. Um, Darian Caldwell is a different kind of beast, though. One of the best wrestlers in the division. uh, Fought his last fight against AJ McKee at featherweight. Um, But he's gone between featherweight and bantamweight a few times in his career. Um, The last time he was at bantamweight was against Horiguchi, um, where he did lose a decision uh, to uh, Horiguchi. There's no shame there at all. Um, He fought Horiguchi twice, actually. Um, has a big win over Noah Lahet, um as well. But, um, yeah, he's getting – Darian is getting older, and I think there's a reason he was no longer making the cut down to 135. Uh, he is a former champion at 135 as well. Um, and Hugo uh, training out of now uh, – or Darian Conwell training out of Sanford MMA, one of my favorite camps, um, the – work on the stand-up, but they're going to make Darian do what he does well. He's already got a finish over Higo. I think he tries to push this into the grappling realm once again. Um, I'll definitely wait for weigh just because at this point, I'm sure Darian Caldwell is a sizable favorite due to the result of their first fight, but I do think this fight will be more competitive. I think Higo is on a good little run these last couple as well. Um, so I don't put it past him, but my official pick will be Darian Caldwell. It's hard for me to go against it, but minus 300 is also hard for me to go with. Uh, I think that's a pretty steep price to play here on Caldwell, and definitely wait for weigh-ins at 33, approaching 34 years old, making these uh, cuts after being used to featherweight again. Got to see the conditioning here, but I like Caldwell to get go two for two against Hiko. So um, in the co-main event, very good co-main event. Um, the main event, Chris Cyborg versus Leslie Smith for the featherweight championship of the world. Um, They have fought before. Leslie Smith is now 38 years and nine months old, 12 in one, almost 39. Uh, I've only missed one Leslie Smith fight. I picked them five and one, about to be six and one. Um, She did beat Amanda Bell, which is, you know, a very impressive win, but going from Amanda Bell and a majority win over Sinead O'Connor and a loss to, and Arlene Blen-Cow, um, Going from those types of fights to a uh, Chris Cyborg, And several fights up. Um, Leslie Smith fought Chris Cyborg back at UFC 198 for Doom versus Miochik. She was knocked out. Um, some, some can argue an early stoppage, but kind of did Leslie a favor by not letting her take a ton of shots. She did go on to beat Irene Aldana, Amanda Lemos uh, in the UFC as well as Sinead, uh Kavanaugh and Amanda Bell. So she's gone kind of a sneaky little run. Um, she was definitely cut from the UFC for reasons outside of her fighting, more of her uh, outspokenness and things like that. Um, but it's, I mean, it's Chris Cyborg. She's 23 and two. Um, she has looked like a different, not different woman. She's looked like the same Cyborg from that 51 second loss to Amanda Nunes. Um, you know, she definitely has come back, gone back to me in the hammer, got a decision win over Felisa Spencer, um, really worked Julia, Budd and showed some fantastic cardio, um, for, to get the fourth round finish against Julia, Budd. really impressed there. It, she's not just a one and done fighter. She's got third round finishes, fourth round finishes, uh, second round finish of Arlene Blenkow, uh, in her last fight, Arlene Blenkow 13 and seven. Um, and she was on a three fight um, winning streak prior to that, um, had not lost in Bellator, and Cyborg put her away, used her jujitsu, which I really like seeing. Um, I could really see that being around again for um, her against Leslie Smith. In my opinion, this is Cyborg by however she wants. I hate to say it, but uh, it is how I feel. Leslie Smith approaching 39 years old against the 35, almost 36 Cyborg. 5'8", versus 5'9". Cyborg has a reach advantage, the power advantage. Um, Leslie Smith has been in there before with her and wasn't put to sleep, so maybe there's some confidence there. But I think that's really digging. I can't bet Cyborg at all at minus 1,000. That is insane. If anything, I'm putting a little sprinkle on Leslie at plus 700. Um, But that leads us to, this is funny enough, uh, shorter than you know some breakdowns when I have a host, maybe because I don't have as much to go through with regards to rebuttals. But I'm doing my best to give you guys a full, rounded view of these fights in my um, picks. And again, my picks, Alfie Davis is my underdog at plus 300. I really like how he fights, and I think he can very easily get a decision. I like Brett Johns over Danny Sabatello. I like Liam McCourt over Janae Harding. I like Davion Franklin to get the KO of Tyler King, the way they set it up. I will take Valerie Lareda uh, to beat Hannah Guy. I think that there's just a preparation and a level difference there. But if Hannah Guy makes it dirty and gets a grappling, that could be a very good upset. And Hannah Guy being a plus 500, I'll take a sprinkle because it's over the plus 200 lower level women MMA bout um, odds that I always do. So, I'm going to sprinkle him a guy, but that's up to you if you want to. Avi Gonzalez, I like him to continue his submission reign. Samiko Inaba, uh, I like her to control her fight. Grant Neal, uh, cardio and cage pressure. Um, I'm going with Nate Andrews, but, uh, again, Sayan Wad could really get the upset here. I'm not putting it past him, um, but I like Nate Andrews. Christian Edwards is going to blow the doors off. Ben Parrish, in my opinion. Jaleel Willis and Mekon Mendaka, one of the closest fights on any of these three cards. I got Jaleel Wilson with pressure, movement, volume. Um, I like those for a decision. Austin Vanderford wrestling, eventually getting a possible submission, maybe an arm triangle. Uh, Darian Caldwell, again, wrestling, submission uh, against Higo. But we'll see how the weight cut looks. And Cyborg, I will say uh, Chris Cyborg by KO. So that leads us to the end of breakdown two of three. We've now arrived at the UFC breakdown here. We are an hour and 43 minutes into this breakdown. If you've been with me or if you're joining me late uh, for this, you are a savage uh, and I appreciate you all being here. Um, But we keep the train going. I'm going to take one sip of water. First of all, shout out to the dogs in here, all chilling. Very proud of everybody. Hopefully I didn't jinx that. And I hope everybody's having a great Wednesday. Um, This is fun. I don't think I'll ever do three cards in one again, but we do what we got to do. I put the tape and study in, and uh, hopefully I can help you guys make some money along with me. So we are to our 13th fight UFC bout back in the apex. No owners. Or no, um, not a big crowd, if any crowd. Smaller octagon uh, definitely should be noted with these strikers, especially a striker like Cody Garbrandt. Um, Having that less cage um, dimensions is huge. Um, But let's go ahead and get into this. Rafael Alves versus Demir Isma Gulov taking place at 155 pounds. Um, This is... Um, it's interesting that Alves is getting another shot here. Alves' last fight, um, he missed weight by 12 pounds at 145. Needless to say, you're not going to be fighting at that weight anymore. They're going to make you move up. The MMA Masters product on a five fight win streak, however. His last fight coming on the Contender Series, guillotine choke finish to Alejandro Flores. Um, he has, he is quite a finisher. Has only been to a decision, uh, two, three, four times uh, in his career. The rest of his fights are finished. He also gets finished a lot. He has uh, eight submission wins and six submission losses. Um, so that's very interesting. Lost by leg kicks to Wagner Rocha, uh, which not not a great way to lose, uh, frankly, to Wagner Rocha. Uh, had an injury, lost to Fisher since then, has been on a five-fight win streak. Fought once in 2017, twice in 2018, once in 2019, once in 2020. And he's now fighting what appears to be his one time in uh, 2021. Um, prior to this, he was um, supposed to fight last week. They just rescheduled it to this week. Prior to this, he had the fight against Pat Sabatini that was set up. But he again, missed weight, so he's moving up to one 55, he has had fights at 155. He's an absolute brick uh, of a individual, very athletic, very strong. I don't think the strength will be an issue here uh, moving up, um, but he's going to have that kind of reach and size disadvantage, 5'8", 68-inch reach, probably the reason he was killing himself to make it to 145. Uh, taking on a guy in Demir Ismagulov, which when I've gotten to see Demir, I have loved what I've seen. Uh, 3-0 and inside of the UFC, uh, and all three of those fights going into a decision. 130-27 all around, one thirty twenty six 26 and one with 30-25s. So wins over Joel Alvarez, Tiago Moises, and Alex Gorgis. Obviously, Alex Gorgis not too notable of a win, but these other two are fantastic. We're seeing Tiago Moises taking on Islam Makhachev in July. Uh, and he's had a lot of big wins um, coming lately. And Demir really cleaned cleaned his way through it. And um, I get the criticism some people have that he's not a finisher, but we've gotten to see 45 minutes of absolute cage dominance on Demir, winning just about every round on every scorecard and some 10-8. I mean, he's looked really good. I just want him to fight more often. Has not fought since uh, uh, since August of 2019. Um, didn't fight at all during the pandemic. I'm not sure what was really going on um, at all, but definitely coming back here um, to a guy in Rafael Alves who can be very dangerous, um, but 74 inch reach for Demir. That's a six inch reach advantage Um, only five, nine versus five, eight. But again, the reach is there. Demir. um, I really like his striking. I like his uh, cage presence. I like his IQ. Um, he's looking better and better with each fight, 30 years old, uh, fully in his prime. Uh, Rafael Alves, final MMA masters, also 30 years old. Um, this is a big fight for him. It is his debut against a guy who's 3-0 and and uh, has looked really good in um, his decision so far. In it's Magulov. Um, Demir is, I believe, the biggest favorite on the card. Um, which is always interesting to start out with. Yeah, but minus 600. that's. I'm going to just say a pass here. I can't really suggest betting on Alves. Um, there's a lot of unknowns. He could still miss weight at 155 because if he would have weighed in when he weighed in last time, he would have. So got to see the scales and everything. But very good fight here um, for Demir. I think Demir could possibly get his first finish. Uh, Again, Rafael has been finished by submission a few times, six times as a matter of fact, so that could be a sneaky way for Demir maybe in the second round to second and third round when he gasses out his opponent a little bit because Rafael has serious cardio issues. Uh, Next fight at 155 between a short notice, Yancy Medeiros, 15 and 7 now, taking on Demir Uh, Hazovic, Bosnian bomber, Demir Hazovic has been looking better. Um, but then he kind of came up against Christoph Diagos. That was a very good fight. It was a close fight. Um, I didn't think that was a bad fight. Um, but then the Renato Moicano fight, definitely not impressive, uh, lost in 45 seconds by rear naked choke. Um, and then we see that Mata or Moicano, uh, went on to, again, pretty starched by Fiziev in his next fight. Um, which I think a lot of people will end up doing, but still, uh, Hazovich was supposed to take on Nicholas Mata, a guy coming off the Contender Series. Mata got injured, and now he's facing a guy with kind of a similar body type to him. They're both, uh, you know, they're both, you know, kind of, you know, skinnier, taller, 155ers. Yancy Madero's five ten versus the five nine Hazevich, um, but Madero's on a three fight losing streak right now. Got KO'd by Don Cerrone after being way too friendly. Was ground and pound finished by Gregor Gillespie. No shame in there. And then got a decision loss to Venata. So this is definitely a fight he's coming into. It's a must win. Um, he had those two wins of Eric Silva and Alex Oliveira um, back in 2017. But Yancey kind of since then has not looked himself. Um, hasn't looked as sharp. 33 years old now. Take, took a lot of damage in those last few fights. Um, and this isn't one of my more popular picks here, or one of my more confident picks, I should say. Uh, I just think Demir is going to edge this one out. I think that he can uh, affect uh, Yancey with his power, possibly, and put him away. And Yancey has shown some chin issues later into his career. So I'm going to take Demir. I'm not super confident on this one, but uh, I think that the power um, and the strength, the ability to grapple is on Demir's side, if any's. Uh, And Yancey just sometimes wants to fight a little too exciting, takes a little too many shots. Um, Demir is a slight favorite, minus 120. Uh, The money has come in on him as well. So um, this is another one where I think the short notice could play a factor um, it could be a very close fight. If it's close and goes to a decision, Yancey might be able to take it, though. So, not, again, not one of my more confident picks. Very close fight. But two 155 fights to start out our card here. The next fight is at 145. We have a newcomer in Cheyalan Nira Danbike uh, taking on Joshua Kilbao, Kil- Kilbao? Um Joshua um, in his third fight now out of Australia taking on another – Wolverine and Shaylin um, out of China. This fight's out of China, P.I. China P.I. had a very rough week um, a few weeks ago at 261, where they put on great fights, but they did not come out on top. Uh, Shaylin uh, Shane Lun, uh, went 6-1 last year, lost to Zhu Rong, who we just saw um, come up short in his uh, debut. Um, however, his fights are to guys like Alexio Linick. 155 Alexi Olenek, uh, Jubilee, uh, who is nine and 9-7, a guy who's 10-11, and 11, a guy who's 20-10, and 10, who I'm not familiar with, and then a 3-5 and five guy in Tezan Wong. Um, now, um, he's getting a shot at the UFC, though. Um, and he's taking on... Uh, you know, he's a pretty exciting fighter. Definitely mixes up the takedowns with uh, the stand-up. I think in this fight, he's definitely going to be looking to grapple get Joshua on the ground and away from Joshua's power. I think Joshua's power is a potential difference in this one coming off of that split decision against Charles Jordan, um, where he looked really good, was able to drop Charles in that fight, really hanging with him on the feet. I think for Yulan Shah, he's got to look to take this to the ground uh, early and often. I think pressure, pressure, pressure and cage control again, um, lost to uh, Joshua lost to Jalen Turner in his debut Before that, had a few uh, finishes by KO and ground and pound. Um, I think the power is on Joshua's side, and I do think that he's able to prevent the takedowns of uh, Chey Leon, um, keep it on the feet, and I like him to get Joshua to get a KO in round two or round three, or round one or round two, I should say. Um, I think that Joshua is going to have the size and strength advantage and. Definitely a stand-up advantage as well. So give me Joshua Kilibau, um in this one. Uh, we look at the odds. Don't love it. Minus 250 for Joshua. Um, maybe I bet it inside the distance if I'm betting this just to get a little bit of juice uh, because I do think that there's a finish that is likely in this one for Joshua. So I'll take Joshua Killebao by KO round number two, but minus 250 is a scary, scary price. Next fight here at 125. Oh man, Victor Rodriguez um, definitely looked rough in his short notice debut, fighting out of Alaska. Got pieced up and then KO'd um, after just a dominant performance by Adrian Giannis, um, where he just he was running away from Giannis and got head kicked, put away. Before that, uh, fought up in Alaska um, has had some has some very good. Power in his hands, a lot of strike finishes. Definitely goes in there and is a wild man. Uh, Bruno Silva, also pretty wild coming off of his first UFC win at 31 years old. Funny you know, a fight ready MMA was able to survive the first round of JP buys and then really put it on JP in the second round. Before that, losses to Takir, Ulan Bekov, and David Dvorak. No shame at all in those two. And Khalid Taha, who was on. Steroids when he fought him. So, um, Bruno definitely took those three losses. and got better from him. Uh, exposed JP Buys in that fight. I just think that Victor Rodriguez, I'm not sure he belongs or ever belonged in the UFC, short notice or not. Um, and Bruno Silva, I think that they really want to have Bruno Silva get a little bit of shine on him after taking a little bit of it. Uh, the Buys experiment of cheyenne buys and jp buys playing on the same card blew up in the ufc's face um bruno i think they're looking to have bruno have another impressive finish here he was 0 three prior to that but all against very good competition i think bruno's face much better competition it's just a much better guy one of my more confident picks here bruno silva ko round one of victor rodriguez possible round two if he maybe is a little more careful in the first round minus 350 for souza um, I get it. That's a great. That's a little bit of a high price, but I do think it's parlayable. I just don't think Victor Rodriguez belongs here. Uh, Victor Rodriguez fights like an Alaskan MMA fighter, um, so I just think that Bruno Silva Souza, Bruno Souza, should clean up in this fight. Gets a second straight fight. Um, gets a second straight finish and second straight win, and starts to make a little bit of uh, noise in the 125 division. Um, and good for him at 31, showing constant improvement. Really impressed there. Um, but give me Bruno Silva. Minus 350 is a tough price, but I do think an accurate one. Uh, Claudio Silva taking on Court McGee. This is uh, this is like not a prospect fight. I'll, I'll put it that way. Uh, we've got the 38-year-old, almost 39-year-old Claudio Silva taking on the 36-year-old. Every bit of 36. Pit elevation fight team member, Court McGee. Uh, Court McGee, 5'11, um, both 5'11. Court McGee's got a four and a half inch reach advantage. Court McGee needs to keep this on the feet and rediscover his volume that he seemed to have lost. Um, he's lost five of six. He did have that win over Alex Garcia, and I think surprised a lot of people, uh, myself included. I was quite on Alex Garcia. Had to sit had a split decision, lost to Diego Lima. Due to that lack of uh, volume, Sean Brady just was able to out-grapple and control um, Court McGee. Uh, Carlos Condit, even with his lack of speed, lack of power, and everything, was able to keep McGee from getting off first. So for me, it, it's this fight is very simple. Do you believe that Court McGee can keep Claudio Silva from getting us into his into his range, which is on the ground. Claudio Silva, Hannibal Silva, 14-2, and approaching 39 years old. Inactivity killed the cat, if we want to say something here. Um, He has a win back in the day uh, to start his career over Brad Scott. That was in March of 2014, November of 2014. He beat Leon Edwards. That's great. Then he took off three and a half, almost four years until May of 2018. It was like, where has he been? He had some injuries he was really trying to repair from. And he did, took on Norneen Talib, put him away with a rear-naked stroke, round one. Very impressive. Then he, you know, takes almost a year off and is back against Danny Roberts. Third round armbar win over Danny Roberts. Very impressive. Um, let's see some more of this guy. Um, then takes off another, you know, five months. So that's fine gets another win over Cole Williams, and then takes off another year and it finally comes back against James Kraus. James Krause stops the takedowns, ends up really exposing Claudio Silva's lack of a stand-up game, but Krause is so much faster, so much better volume, so much better movement than what is going to be presented here with Court McGee. I do think even on the feet, Claudio Silva can make this a fight, but I do think Claudio Silva is going to look for any opportunity – to initiate the grappling. And once he initiates the grappling, um, I think he has some of the best jujitsu in the division still. And at 39, that will still be there. Um, Court McGee, 36, but a much-weathered 36, has never been submitted. Um, He's only been finished by Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, So he's a very tough guy. And, um, you know, but I do think Silva has the level – of grappling that can give a lot of guys their, their first um their first loss and there's chico who wouldn't make it the whole breakdown without barking so sorry for the um barking here um but again i think i think that claudio henrique da silva should um be able to get the pressure uses striking enough possibly even have the more volume between the two which It's crazy to me, but just Court McGee seems a little bit shot at this point, if I'm being completely honest. But he's facing a guy who's older, who also has a lot of injuries and inconsistency in himself. I'll take Claudio Silva. It's a pick right now, minus 115 both sides. Um, I'm betting Claudio is able to get the takedown and then able to get the finish. And if he can get a submission, it'd be the first submission of Court McGee's career. So that'd be very impressive for Claudio I will take Claudio, but this is a fight where it's a pickup for a reason. Um, most likely, if it goes to a decision, we could be hearing both guys' names as a split. Uh, but give me Claudio Silva by submission, round number three. I'm gonna say this goes deep um, and uh, Claudio pulls it out. Uh, next fight here, uh, this is either this fight is either going to be super exciting or super boring depends on who wins, and I hate breaking down a fight like that, but we got Ben Rothwell, who used to be kind of exciting, but since he's been back from his USADA suspension, (laughs) not a a lot of the excitement, not a lot of the explosion, not a lot of the finishing ability. Um, A lot of his fights, um, we're seeing, like the OSP fight, where cage control and keeping his opponent from being exciting is what's getting him to the dance. Uh, Chris Barnett, though, Beast Boy, (laughs) Former super heavyweight fighter, 34 years old, turning 35 next month. So a fellow Gemini, Chris Barnett. Um, he's got a lot of really fun uh, highlights, uh, super exciting striker, strikes in a way that you should not be able to strike when you're a 5'9 super heavyweight um, like him. But, hey, he just gets in there and throws down. Uh, got a win over <laughs> to Johnny in his last fight. Um, he's on a four fight, five fight, and a six fight, seven fight MMA win streak. Um, getting all those by finish, um, except for uh, except for one, which was a split win over Rashawn Jackson. That was a fight that was really weird. Um, if you go back and watch that Island fight, um, we know Island fights from Dave Van Hornkin. Know he's a huge Island fight guy. Um, you know uh, he does. He was knocked out. Um, by alex nicholson which is a little bit of a worry uh for sure um but again chris marnett he's a really wild guy um fights you know has fought a lot of decent competition never really was sure if he'd get into ufc but he's made it ben rothwell is really slowed down quite a bit 39 years old fighting on rothwell mma has not fought since losing to marcin tybura by decision no shame there St. Peru was able to drop him several times. Stefan Struve was winning that fight until multiple uh, nut shots. Um, and then Dan Margulata really encouraging Struve to fight through it. And then he kind of just went forward n- willy-nilly and, fin- it, and finished him. I think Ben Rothwell can do that to anybody. I think more likely his route to finish in this fight. He's not a big wrestler. He's more kind of cage pressure and... When his opponent's trying to take him down, that's when he gets a lot of his submissions and grappling. Chris Barnett's not going to be trying to take him down. I just think he's going to look to hold Chris Barnett a lot. Um, and the smaller octagon might make it hard for Chris Barnett to get away. It also might make it easier for Chris Barnett to get a hold of Ben Rothwell. But Ben Rothwell has not been knocked out um, by anybody in the UFC since Kane Velasquez in his UFC debut. So... For Chris Barnett, for me to for Nick Chris Barnett to do that, it's kind of wild, um, but I do think that's how Chris Barnett can win this fight. Short notice though, um, Ben Rothwell should be able to grind a boring decision. Um, if I'm being honest, I think that's how this fight ends. So Ben Rothwell, no way I'm betting him. If not anything, I'm taking a shot at the dog at plus two sixty, minus three fifty for Ben Rothwell. Money has come in on him. Um, the Ben Rothwell of the last three or four fights has not been that impressive. And Chris Barnett, um, coming in hungry really could put himself in harm's way and end up costing him the fight, but also could win him, uh, the fight. I'm excited to see Chris Barnett. Maybe I just want to have a reason to bet him, but I'm not betting Ben Rothwell at minus 350. I think that's ridiculous. Um, no, thank you. We are to the pre featured prelim. This is an outstanding fight at featherweight between Ricardo Ramos and Bill Algeo. Um, Ricardo Ramos, the Brazilian 25-year-old, fighting at 145 now, 5'9", 72 inch reach, fighting on a China team as well as Team Alpha Male. Um, So definitely he's working on the grappling and the wrestling all the time. 25 continues to get better, has been the UFC um, for quite a while now. Had a Had a fight on Dana White's Looking for a Fight, which he won over Alfred Kasakian. Kasakian, we know um, from Bellator now. He's fought a lot of good guys. Also lost to Sean O'Malley on the Contender Series. Uh, Had a win over Tanaka back in 2017 at his debut. So he was 21 years old for his debut. Spinning elbow, finish of Zahabi. A really impressive win of Kuei Hong Kang. Um, which showed me a lot, but was a split, but quay Kang, very good fighter, uh, lost to Sayem Nurmagomedov, um, ended up beating Journey Newsome uh, and Edward Gargoni, not really too notable, and then got um, ground and pound finished against Lerone Murphy. These two were supposed to fight um, back in April. Uh, Ricardo Ramos did have COVID, however, so... Um, if you've listened to any of my breakdowns before, I'm very cautious on picking fighters coming off COVID, particularly when it's a month or so out. His fight in April, April 17th, was canceled, so it's only been rescheduled a month, and he's going against a guy in Bill Algio, Senior Perfecto, 14 and five, um, lost to Brendan Longhain on the Contender Series, but wasn't put away. That is a fight famously where. It was a very good back-and-forth fight um, where Brendan Longhain went for a takedown towards the end and then Damon didn't give him his um, contract. Now we've seen how good Longhain's done, getting a lot of finishes, including of Shaman Rias. So really a good experience for Algeo to get under his belt there, in my opinion. Um, ended up taking on Tim dueling winning that fight. Lost to Ricardo Lamas coming in on short notice, but really gave his entire account, fought him so close. It was Ricardo Lamas's final fight of his career as well. Um, so I think Lamas knew that he had every he put everything he could into that fight. Algio was very close at several times to finishing. Um, also, um, Ricardo Lamas. I just think going from Ricardo Lamas to Ricardo Ramos is um, quite a step down in competition as well. Um, for, uh, Algio, So I think, um, he showed that, um, huge, huge confidence boost in his, in the following fight as well, where he took on Spike Carlisle and fought him perfectly, um, getting a decision win. Um, yeah, I think this is a really, really interesting fight. I think on the feet, Lamos has the, um, slight advantage, um, six foot versus five, nine slight reach advantage for Algio as well. 31 years old, almost 32. Um, The time is now for Bill Algio. And I think that the pressure and cardio can really pay dividends for Bill Algio as this fight goes on. I think this is a very good fight. I think it's a competitive one, possible fight of the night, if I'm being honest. I'm going to take Bill Algio, though. Um, I do like uh, Bill Algio's ability to mix it up. and keep this fight on the feet and be the one who's pressuring higher volume. I think he learned a lot from the Ricardo Lamas fight, showed it in the Spike Carlisle fight. I think he continues to show it here against Ricardo Lamas. Uh minus 125 for Algio. Uh, I like the value there. And uh I think that this is a good uh opportunity for Algio to really establish himself in the featherweight division. Definitely is on people's maps after um his performance on short notice against Ricardo Lamas. So now we are to the main card, and the main card is, of course, a 6 point main card um, taking place here on ESPN. Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian at 185 starts out the uh, main card in a hell of a main card fight. Edmund Shabazian coming back um, from his first loss of his career to Derek Brunson, a fight that I did have Derek Brunson in. Derek Brunson ended up really just um, surviving the early onslaught. And after that, Edmund did slow down significantly. Looks to me um, like he's much better at being the hammer than the nail. We saw um, chinks of that against Darren Stewart, um, where Darren Stewart was able to get the takedowns. Darren Stewart lost a split decision to Edmund Shabazian. But when Shabazian started getting control, he had a lot of time, a lot of trouble – regaining that control. Um, and I think that we saw a similar thing against Derek Brunson. He started out very strong, but when Derek Brunson got to take down started returning the fire, we started to see Shabazz even really uh, freeze up and then eventually wilt. So, um, you know, that head kick finish of Tavares was very impressive. It was in two minutes. Uh, the rear naked choke of Marshman, very impressive in one minute. Elbow and punches finish in and Bird, very impressive one minute. And um, all of these are first-round finishes he's had before this. Um, I really am curious to see how he comes back. He's still fine on Glendale Fighting Club. Not sure how great that is for his career at this point. Um, obviously, he has Ronda Rousey's old coach, Edmund, um, whatever his name is, or Targaryen, or <laughs> that's on it. That's uh, I don't remember, but Ed, we all know Edmund, uh, Ronda Rousey's old coach. That's his coach, so uh, he's taking on... The Joker, Jack Hermanson, 21-6, 32 years old, 6'1", 77-inch reach, truly a specialist. Um, Last time out against Vittori, that was a really good fight. Uh, I will say first and foremost, I did have Hermanson in that fight, and I think that fight was really truly the first fight for me that showed me in Vittori is that dude. Um, Looked really good in the game, did the grappling and everything. Uh, Kelvin Gasolum, he got a really quick heel hook of him, so, we don't exactly know how, who, what Kelvin Gastelum was showing up or how good Hermanson was. Uh, he did get knocked out by Jerry Cannonier in Sweden, but Cannonier at 185 hits like a brick. Um, Edmund also hits very hard, uh, has very good striking, but um, I do think that Hermanson has shown that he can get the takedowns um, against most guys in this division. I think. Hermanson's kind of a rarity for this division. He's truly a specialist, a grappling specialist, has some decent striking, but he's going to look to grapple pressure, wear out Edmund, get him to the ground more, and then I think second and third round look to attack. The ground and pound is something that Jack Hermanson's gone away from these last few fights. I think we could see the ground and pound really come back. The ground and pound is a huge part for Brunson, and Hermanson has better ground and pound in my opinion. Hermanson's faced a much higher level of competition, Romanson also has shown the ability to be both the hammer and the nail. As far as I can see with Edmund Shabazian, he is only good being the hammer. So he can come out and gets a two-minute two, set, two minute head kick finish of um, Jack Romanson. I can be like, okay, like I don't want to bet against that. But, I mean, that is how I see Shabazian winning. It's hard for me to see Shabazian fighting through and getting a decision win. The split decision against um, Stewart, he gave up several takedowns. Hermanson is miles better as a takedown guy, better ground and pound than a Brunson. I think that Hermanson gets back on track here uh, in Chibazian. I'm not sure what Shabazzian does, but 11 and 2 um, not getting any favors, going from Derek Brunson to Jack Manson. I think this is uh, – I think, in my opinion, it's a tougher fight. I know Brunson's on a roll right now, but I think Hermanson is one of the better guys at 185 that a lot of people don't put enough respect on. So I'm going to take Hermanson. Show off that ground and pound, round two TKO, and um, ah man, I wanted Hermanson to give me a steal, but minus one sixty, um, still a good parlay piece in my opinion. I think he can finish or take the decision, and uh, yeah, we will see. Great way to, great way to open that card. Next fight, one twenty five, David Dvorak versus uh, Rolian Piva. Uh, Piva is. Uh, very exciting Brazilian striker, 20-3. Um, he's had a little bit of a tough go of it in uh, the UFC so far, but still 25 years old, uh, 5'8", 70-inch uh, reach for 125. i really like to see that. Uh, he has had two straight wins as well, finished Mark Dolorosa, which you'd like to see, and then took on Zalgis Zumagolov. Um, Really good back-and-forth stand-up affair. Um, one thing about Rylan is that he – it's a wild striker, um, but uh, and uh, but yeah, he um, is a very wild striker, but also gets hit quite a bit. I apologize to do this to y'all, but I will be right back. I just have to step away for one
1: second—literally thirty second. Break. All right. Apologize, everybody. Um, sorry about that delay there, but
0: joys of uh, running the solo operation while also running a full-time business while also trying to cover three MMA cards. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're all busy. I get it. Um, but as I was saying, Roland uh, Paiva, uh, really like his offensive striking. Um, obviously, that overhand right against Mark De La Rosa, very good. But he does, however, take far too many... Uh, shots as he's giving them. And um, you know, that is just something I think that just zogus Zalmangulis is about the level of guy who can get away with that against. But uh David Dvorak, I've really liked what I've seen out of this guy. Uh perfect example of a guy who waited until he was <laughs> fully ready to enter the UFC. Um and turned down several opportunities ahead of time, 19 and three now 28 years old. 5'5", five, 68-inch five, reach, so similar reach for these two guys. Um, and Devor can really do it all. He is truly a well-rounded mixed martial artist. I think he is one of the most well-rounded in this division. Uh, I really like what I've been able to see out of him. 2-0 uh, oh in the UFC, two decisions over Bruno, Bruno Silva and Jordan Espinosa. I get Jordan Espinosa. Uh, is not the most highly rated guy by a lot of people, but I do think the way he looked and the amount of skills he was able to show in those two fights really impressive. Prior to the UFC, rear naked chokes, KO finishes, uh, punch finishes—you know, really a variety of finishes as well, armbars. and then you know, showing as he's gotten into the UFC, as you get into that higher echelon, you're not going to be able to get those finishes. And he's still able to maintain a very good gas tank, a very diverse range of attacks here. I think technically he is the better striker. I think Paiva can make this a wild fight, maybe, and try to uh, blitz, you know, a little bit of Dvorak, but Dvorak, is he's rock solid. Uh his two of his three losses are to Philip Masek, whoever that is. Um, but since then, uh, you know, it's a 15 fight win streak. David Dvorak and uh he you know faced a decent range of competitions before getting to UFC um he's now taking those taking the proper steps up from Bruno uh to Espinosa to now Paiva Uh, I think this will be his biggest test of his UFC debut but I do think this is one that Dvorak should be able to pass with flying colors Uh, I think this is a possible first finish just due to how Paiva goes, but either way, I think this is a poss- this is a very good fight, uh, back and forth, highly entertaining. Uh, Dvorak at minus one fifty, I love that value. I feel that's a very very good value. You can pair with Bill Algio right off the bat for a you know a decent plus two to plus three hundred parlay from this those two. I think you can also look to pair him up with some of your other confident picks from the other uh, previous cards I've broken down here. But Dvorak, it's one of my favorite low value. Uh, favorites at minus 150 So uh, against Paiva. I like that spot for him quite a bit. Um, This is uh, another one. Dvorak is another one I like in this fight right here uh, with Felicia Spencer uh, against uh, Norma Dumont. I am a Felicia Spencer fan. I will say that first and foremost. Um, But uh, breaking down the immortal Norma Dumont. Uh, coming off a win of Ashley Evan Smith, where she missed weight by five pounds, but did look really good uh, in the stand-up range. Um, Megan Anderson or Megan Anderson was her debut. Uh, she also just didn't quite look ready for that fight. Got KO'd pretty quickly. We obviously know with Felicia Spencer, she was able to submit uh, Megan Anderson rather quickly. Um, but yeah, five and one had a had a decision on a majority decision prior to making the UFC against Marion Marias. Uh, We did see Marion Marias last fight out against Kayla Harrison and uh, it's hard to judge it, but I mean, Kayla Harrison put her away inside of a minute. Um, So I'm not sure how great Marias really is. And that was a decision, majority decision win. I just don't, Really know, you know, Norma was trying to make it to 135 for a reason. She now has to go to 145 against one of the only one forty five, legit 145ers there is, and Felicia Spencer. Felicia Spencer was getting ready to take on Daniel Wolf. Something happened with Daniel Wolf. I don't think that the adjustment is that different from Daniel Wolf to Norma Dumont, except for a slight amount of experience. But yeah, I mean Felicia Spencer went to a decision with Amanda Nunes, which not many people can really say um, destroyed Zarin Foran. Um I think that her wrestling and her grappling are just going to be too much and such a clear advantage here. Uh, I think that, frankly, Norma gets blown out of the water here. Um, I, I like Felicia Spencer quite a bit in this fight. Grapple and rear naked choke round one. Why not? And uh, this is one that I'm kind of shocked by the odds. Minus 160. Pair that up for me. Right away with Dvorak, pair it up. Um, Felicia is a pretty big parlay piece for me this weekend. Just at a minus 160, it can really take a lot of those parlays to higher levels. Um, the common opponent, the level of competition Norma's face, how Norma's really looked in her fights. Um, I like Felicia Spencer. Uh, all day in this fight, Felicia has been preparing for this fight. Norma took it on pretty short notice, and I do wonder if her – she makes an error in thinking, oh, I have an extra 10 pounds. I don't need to worry about my conditioning or whatnot. But Felicia Spencer, minus, minus 170, I think that's a steal. And get it before it's at minus 200, because that number should be continuing to go towards Felicia if I had to anticipate. But who knows? Maybe people know something I don't. It happens all the time. Third from the top, 265. Don't know why this is third from the top, people. Let me take a sip of water. Sorry, the dogs are starting to get excited. Um, so apologize for a little bit of the noise here, but there's not much time left. So uh, Justin Toppett, Jared Vandera, Jared Vandera. I've been very uh, not impressed with. I don't know how he got a UFC contract, and uh, well, he beat Henry Hun- Harry Huntsucker. That's how, um, and uh, that's his only win. Um, that that was his only win with the UFC. He took. He called out Sergey Spivak. And then absolutely got mollywopped by him. Um, but said, I don't feel like myself. I feel off. Um, whether it was the jitters, whether it was a bad weight cut, whether it was something he ate. There are a lot of things that can you know, play a factor in a bad performance like that, I'm sure. Um, so he could come into his fight and really look v- like a totally different guy. Um, he's got decent wrestling. Um, he's got... A good top game, decent uh, stand up. And uh, he's taking on a guy who, you know, is about as one dimensional as, you know, as it gets here in Justin Toffa. Justin Tafa, coming off that terrible kind of, or not terrible, but just like a not from a technical standpoint, terrible fight against Carlos Felipe, where they decided to just be boxers and stand in front, stand in the middle of the Octagon and throw shots at each other. And Justin Toffa, low, low. Uh, volume, ended up costing him. Felipe just threw a more volume, not more impactful shots, just more volume. And before that, um, Justin Tafa was fighting um, Juan Adams, who Juan Adams is fighting on a prelim of a Fury FC card uh, recently, so that's where Juan Adams is. He did put him away, but again, it was low output. And then he uh, lost, he got absolutely obliterated by Jorgen DeCastro. Who's another guy who came off with the contender series? Struggled a lot, but had a highlight of Tafa. So, frankly, that's what I'm a little bit worried about here with Tafa again. I'm not sure if I can really count on Justin Tafa. Um, he is, for the most part, a stand up fighter exclusively, uh, throws some low volume at points, um, can knock out a lot of people, definitely can knock out Vandera, but Vandera really struggled with the takedowns and. Um, you know, maybe he learns a lot from a very, very, you know, poorly prepped uh, debut and comes out and looks like a totally different guy. Um, I just, you know, I I kind of go back and forth on this, but I'm going to – and I might really regret this. I got no one to hide behind either. I'm going to take Vandera uh, to get a really kind of gross, similar type of gross decision to – um Felipe, but maybe Vanderau uses uh, some of that team quest wrestling and gets a few takedowns. And I just can't imagine Tafa has any form of a ground game. I'm going to take Jared Vander. I know that last performance against Sergey Spivak was not impressive. Uh, I get even against Harry Huntsucker. He was taking quite a few shots before he won, and we've seen how Harry Huntsucker does. I just don't have faith that Tafa can put this together. They keep putting top on main cards for some reason. This fight should be like the opener. I don't know why it's third from the top, but um, I don't know. I got a feeling, you know, Vandera even send the corner during the fight. I feel off. Maybe he says that again in this fight, and it's just like, no, bro, you're not off. You just shouldn't be in the UFC. That could very well be the case, but fuck it. It's two and a half hours into me talking to basically myself aside from the first 20 minutes with Fernando Padilla. Let's take Jared Vandera, people. Why not? Jared Vandera I got at a plus plus, 150. I'm not betting this. This is a dog or pass. Um, my official pick, though, is Vandera. Um, I just think that Taffa, I'm not sure Taffa should be here. I'm just think low volume, one dimensional, um, potential gas issues. There's a lot of red flags here that keep me from trusting Tafa as a favorite. 11 and 5 versus 4 and 2. There's a Serious experience edge to Vandera. And if it's the Vandera who's there against Sergey Spivak, obviously no. But I'll take the dog. But this is a dogger pass, in my opinion. I don't think Tafa is a decent favorite, it Is wise investment from anybody at this point. Um, and now we're to the co-main event uh, 115 division. Uh, Team Oyama, product Carla Esparza taking on Jan Jan or Jan Janan. Um, and Carla Esparza got to talk to Fernando Padilla, current now UFC featherweight, Timo Yama product, really has talked about how he's been able to see how Carla has been able to physically be preparing for this fight. If you follow Carla on Instagram, you can see she's really taking her conditioning to another level now, and she's the OG of the strawweight division here. First strawweight champion, 33 years old, approaching 34 5-1, uh, 63-inch reach out of Team Oyama, the cookie monster. Um, she's one of the best wrestlers in the division. Uh, she knows that's what she wants to go in there and do. Um, she's has a four-fight win streak currently, um, so she's really been able to piece it together since losing to Tatiana Suarez in a split to Claudia Gadea. Um, since then, she's got a win over Vernon Jandaroba, a win over Alexa Grasso, Michelle Watterson, and then a split over Marina Rodriguez in uh, July of last year. I do think, if I'm being honest, Marina won that fight. But also, Carla kept taking her down and took some serious damage and kept wor- working her way through it. So, uh, showed me quite a bit um, in that fight. But with Carla, it's takedowns, control, rinse and repeat. Jao, or Jan Jodan. Uh, the 31-year-old, 13-1 and one out of China, 5'5", uh, 65-inch reach as well. Had a very impressive win, uh, decision win over Claudia Gadea, who fights everybody close. Claudia was unable to get her down, and then we really saw Zhao's powerful, good striking. I get it. You look at Zhao, uh, Yang Jinan, and in her five fights in the UFC, all decisions, uh, actually six fights in the UFC, all decisions, decision over Kaylin Curran, Vivian Perea, Suri Kondo, Angela Hill, Carolina Kevich, and then over uh, Claudia Gadea. I frankly think the Claudia Gadea win was her best win. Um, her striking is very well controlled. She is has really good cardio, very good power. I get the finishes have not been coming inside the UFC, Uh, She has quite a few finishes outside the UFC. I think that measured, controlled striking is a huge key to how you beat Carla Esparza, distance control, and obviously takedown defense. Yao Janan checks every single one of those boxes for me. Um, I think this is a very close competitive fight. Um, I think that um, it will look similar to the Marina Rodriguez fight, but with Yao Janan not accepting the bottom quite to the ability that Marina Rodriguez did a few times where Marina accepted the bomb. She was landing really good elbows, more of the damage, but we know how, we know how MMA judging goes. So I like Yao Jinan in this fight. Um, I do really respect obviously team Alpha or team Oyama right now. So I do expect that Claudia is coming into this fight with a very, very, Sound game plan, 31-32 versus 33. Both these girls had a very key part of their career. The winner of this fight is in line for a title shot. Uh, Carla has really been working towards it. Four straight wins versus Yao Jinan, who has six straight wins in the UFC. A slight experience edge and slight um, grappling edge, as well as level of competition edge to Carla. But I'm going to take Yao Jinan. Uh, the very slight minus 125 favorite. Um, I think this should be close to a pick I think it will be close. If Yao Jinan gets a finish, watch out. She's next in line for a title shot. But otherwise, I think a decision uh, is in line for Yao Jinan. I think she prevents the takedowns in at least two or three rounds and gets a unanimous decision win for Yao Um and gets herself into the... Mix at 115. Whoo! We finally made it. Um, If you're joining me in the middle, if you've been with me from the beginning, no matter what, I appreciate you. Ah. We take our final sip of the water. The water's gone. Main event's here. We are in the bantamweight division, five rounds. Again, all of these fights are at the apex. No crowd, smaller octagon. More finishes probably are coming um, in this smaller, and especially with these two strikers here, we got Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt. Um, no love, 12-3, and three, 29 years old, approaching 30 years old, taking on the 33, nearly 34, Rob Font out of Boston, I will start with Cody, no love, Garbrandt. Um, interesting. Interesting little career he's had lately. Team Alpha Male as well as Strong Style he's fighting out of. Um, coming off of that right hook victory last June of Rafael Asuncao, um, where he caught him at the buzzer of the first round where Asuncao, one of the only times I've seen Asuncao kind of lose his composure and his technique and kind of throw caution to a win. He paid for it with that buzzer beater at the end of round two. It's a really good fight before that. Before that, um, Carl, Cody Garbrandt was on a three-fight losing streak being finished by punches in pretty similar ways in all three of those fights, twice to T.J. Dillashaw and then once to Pedro Munoz. That right um, that right hand is there for people and uh, has been repeatedly. We have not seen the version of Cody Garbrandt that came against Dominic Cruz, except for the Dominic Cruz fight. Other than that, there just seems to be points where Cody Garbrandt loses a little bit of his composure and focus. And before those three fights he lost, he'd gotten away with it. Now, when opponents are catching him, they're catching him and putting him away. And Rob Font is a really dangerous guy 18 and 4, 33 years old, 5'8, 71 and a half inch reach. Um, you know, uh, Boston Mass obviously had that really impressive KO finish at the end of last year of Marlon Marias. Although Marlon Marais was coming off of a KO of Corey Sanhagen very, like, two months before that, so there might have been some issues, but still, Rob Font looked really good. People forget Rob Font had a huge win over Ricky Simone, where he really showed off that takedown defense and, uh, and, you know, everything like that, and then uh, a win over Sergio Pettis, now Bellator Bantamweight champion Sergio Pettis, where... He really cruised in that one. He's shown he's not just a finisher. Uh, he also can piece together the decision. My thing with Rob Font is he takes a lot of time off in between each fight. We got another guy who he had one fight in 2017, three in 2018, which was great. Um, you know, It would be great to see more of that. Then one in 2019, one in 2020, and now his first of 2021. Um, he has been looking really sharp coming back from these. His boxing is really crisp, really good. Uh, has some underrated grappling, has, um, you know, tricky grappling, and has a really good gas tank as well. Uh, the reach and uh, I think composure play a huge role. Uh, another thing I'm really not too crazy about with Mr. Font it, or with um, Garbrandt is that he was really um, debating going down to 125. Um, and I'm just not. Uh, you know, first of all, I wouldn't have been crazy about that move for uh, Cody's chin. But even oh. at 135, I'm not sure how strong Cody's chin and cardio hold up. And I, we just haven't seen that Dominic Cruz version of Cody Cody in quite a while here. So, um yeah, this is a really interesting fight. I think it's a very close fight. I do think there's going to be a finish within five rounds on one side. But there's not. I feel the five rounds, although... um Cody Garbrandt is the former champion and has that five-round masterpiece over Dominic Cruz. I feel the five rounds is an advantage to Rob Font. Um, I think that his volume, his distance control movement could really play a key role. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with Mr. Rob Font, Boston's own, to get this one, get a third-round TKO finish. I'm a big fan of second-round TKO finishes. I've been betting a lot of second-round props. Going to bet the third round prop this week uh, on Mr. Font. I think that he catches him with one of those right hands and puts him away. Um, I know he doesn't fight a lot, but when he does, he seems to be ready. 33 years old. This is The time is now. And Cody Garbrandt, the flirting with uh, flyweight, uh, the amount of, you know, the, the ability, I think, for Rob Font to maybe draw out the brawl and stretch out that gas tank could be there. I don't know. I just got a feeling about Rob Font. And so really closely, I love when a main event is a pick'em. This is a pick'em, minus one fifteen, both sides. Uh, if you like Cody, I think that Cody inside the distance is not a bad decision just to get the juice. But for Rob Font, I like him at that price. I'll probably put him in a few parlays as well. Um, you know, but we have made it. We made it to the end of a triple MMA card betting breakdown show. At the beginning of it, if you weren't with us, um, I was able to interview Fernando Padilla as well. Featherweight, uh, new signee of the UFC, coming off an elbow KO finish, six-one, 24 year 24-year-old, 14-and-4, Team Oyama Featherweight. You're going to know the name Fernando Padilla. Go check it out. He is a super cool dude. He's going to be on here much more. Um, you know, just a really good guy, and uh, I wish him all the best Um And then we had the LFA breakdown, which I'll be adding the timestamps to. So you can navigate through that. Um, About 40 minutes in, about an hour and 40 minutes or about an hour and a half in or something is the Bellator. Well, actually, uh, 20 minutes in is the LFA breakdown. 46 minutes in is the Bellator breakdown. And then an hour and 40 minutes in is the UFC breakdown. I will be providing all those timestamps. But I am here for you guys. Reach out to me anytime, Aaron the Dog Guy on Instagram if you want to chat or if you have any betting advice looking for parlays. Uh, piece them together through these three cards for sure. Uh, and before we go, I will just go through one more time my picks for the UFC card and then we will bid a farewell and I will relax for a second. I got Demar, uh, Demir Ismagulov. I got Demir Hadzevic. I've got uh, Joshua Kulabao. I've got Bruno Silva. I've got Claudio Silva. I've got Ben Rothwell, but uh, not super confident. I got Bill Algio. I got Jack Hermanson, David Dvorek, Felicia Spencer, Jared Vandera, Jan, Janan, or, uh, Jan Janal, and Rob Font. So technically, Rob Font is now an underdog and Jared Vandera. So those are my two underdogs for... UFC card this week. I also have a few underdogs, uh, such as Alfie on uh, Bellator, but at nearly three hours, three breakdowns, one fantastic prospect um, interview of Fernando Padilla. If you join me for all of this, you are truly my kind of person, and I appreciate you. Leave the comment down below so I know I can uh, shout you guys out on the next uh, podcast, but until next week, Aaron the dog is out for Aaron the dog. <laughs> Aaron the dog is out. Seriously. Thank you all for if anybody joined me for any or part of this two hour 40 minute MMA extravaganza. Thank you. Um, you will not find this anywhere else and I will not probably do this again, but we do what we got to do. We got to pull it off and uh, I'm here to help you guys. And uh, thank you all for checking out the breakdowns. I'll be back next week um, with whatever breakdowns. They'll probably be Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday around 3.30. But for Aaron the dog, keep taking care of each other out there and keep cashing those bets. Thank you all for joining me so much. I love you all.